My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's the WNR 228, it's WWE versus WCW for June, but we don't know which pay-per-view, we should be finding that out, well, we will find it out by the end of the show, will it be King Living 999, or Great American Bash, but before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro, and I will have to admit, I did a fair bit of masturbating when I was a little younger, I used to call it Stroke and the Salami. Yeah, you know, pounding your... I never did it with baked goods, though, but your Uncle Mort, he pets a one-eyed snake five to six times a day in 1999. Yes, that was Noah Levenstein. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. In 1999, WCW and WWF were the two biggest wrestling companies in the world, and for the past couple of years, had traded the number one slot. But as the year started, it seemed WWF had a plan to continue its hugely successful Attitude Era, while WCW had seemingly lost the plot. Rather than focusing on Eric Benoit and the Super Over Goldberg, it instead pushed over the hill stars Hogan, Piper and Flair and continued the NWO even though it had passed its peak. This year, the WNR podcast goes back 20 years and witnesses WWE's rise and WCW's demise. This is WWE versus WCW, Monday Night War, June 1999. Yeah, and let's start off in the WWF. And the last time we had left it, Stone Cold had found out who the greater power was. But we and the audience were chomping at the bit to find out who had control of Shane McMahon and The Undertaker. Start off, and it's June 7th, episode 315. <laughs> We're just one week after The Undertaker beat Austin for the title with the help of both McMahons and Austin broken-hearted due to Owen Hart's passing away earlier in the night. Other than that, it's Rock versus Triple H because it's 99 and what else is it going to be? Waiting for like a month to find out who the greater power is and we're going to open up with a recap of Austin stunning everyone in sight in recent weeks. Well, here's Vince to open the show and looking like he wants to fight. He talks about how the greater power is here tonight and it doesn't matter who it is. It might be Shawn Michaels, it might be one of the McMahons, it might be Jake Roberts, it might be the bartender from down the street. Vince wants a street fight with the greater power, so he calls out Shane for a fight. However, he'll sweeten the pot a bit further if Shane will put up his 50% ownership of the company. Vince will do the same, making the fight winner take all. 
Well, this brings out Shane, who immediately accepts the challenge, but disappoints Vince because he isn't the greater power. However, he'll bring out the greater power in just a few moments. We run down the card tonight, and there's a Lion Den match with Shamrock versus Jeff Jarrett. They have J-A-R-R-E, double T. The Acolytes defending the tag titles against the Brood. Deborah defending against the monster Nicole Bass. And, of course, that whole greater power deal. Yeah. Well, Austin is in the back talking to someone in a limo. Is Austin in the limo or is someone in the limo? <laughs> I, think, I think Austin is in the back talking to someone who's in a limo. Oh, okay, right. Just, I just wanted to make sure that... No, no, that completely was... acceptable. <clears throat> well, speaking of the greater power deal, it's already time for it. Undertaker, that's Triple H, China, Acolytes, Midian, Viscera, Big Boss Man, Shane, who isn't present here, and Paul Bearer. Undertaker talks about assembling an army for the arrival of a greater power than himself. The ministry and the corporation merged to show what kind of power was at hand. And with that, the lights go dark and a man in a cloak comes to the ring. And you can hear the weird... Uh, the ominous druid. Well, Shane's not there, so it must be him under the hood, surely. Well, don't call me Shirley, but you would think that. They're all kneeling in front of this greater power. I think it's the man from the bar down the street. Yeah, I did, actually. I mean, I was watching Raw religiously at this point. This was one of the moments. It's kind of a huge storyline because Yantek was just such a, a powerful figure. And who was going to be in control of him? And like I said, even like, you know, Shane McMahon and someone Vincent McMahon was afraid of as well. It could end his possibilities. You know, they don't really have this type of story, you know. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So who was your thoughts? Who was on your... Uh... Who was in your mind as who it would be? Well, there was a lot of rumours going around at that time with Jake Roberts, just because of the kind of control that he would have over the Undertaker. But like you said, it could have been Shawn Michaels pulling the strings for all we knew. And that was the excitement. that It wasn't predictable. You weren't 100% sure who it would be, you know. But now this mysterious, mysterious man's got a microphone. So it's not Shane McMahon then. Well, he may not be the uh, greater power, but the whole crowd thinks he's an arsehole. Yeah, exactly. And Jay and the King thought it was Shane, but it can't be now as he comes walking out through the curtain and down to the ring. Shane talks about what a mastermind the greater power is and how smart the power is before we reveal the identity. And Shane wants Vince to be the one that unveils the greater power. And Vince pops up on screen and says this is close enough for him. Well, Shane can't wait to see Vince's face. What's really weird as well, looking back on it, is Vincent Mann just gave his kind of babyface promo as he did on the Titan Trials. Hey, it's time to see him. Would it have been different if they hadn't have gone this route? You know what I mean? The McMahon had been the kind of face and they'd have tried it with, with something else. Do you think the McMahon character would have had that much success playing a kind of good guy, I suppose, for a hill? I don't think he would have done that. No. <laughs> no um, you know, with, with Vince and, you know, later on, obviously, with Chachin, I don't think... Them kind of guys playing a face, I don't think it worked. Because, you know, they've always got to be the thorn in someone's side. Well, as you see Shane's look, and of course the Undertaker of Vincent Mann saying, let's, let's see who the son of a bitch is. Let's reveal the greater power to the entire world. Yes! Here we go! Who could it be? It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! Damn, I cannot believe he's... You all bought it! You all bought it! Hook, line, and sinker! You all bought it! They did! Even my family! 
Even my immediate family bought it. Look at Shane. Every damn one of you were made fools of. You're a fool, JR. But you know, I really didn't want to have to do it. Austin made me. Stone Cold Steve Austin made me fool you. He made me because Austin, I had to teach you a lesson that you would never, ever forget. And now, Austin, Austin, now you know there is no price I will not pay. There is no depth that I will not stoop to make your life here on Earth, Austin, a total, complete, living hell. So it's Vincent Mann. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Look how happy Shane McMahon is that Vince, giving his one of his best promos, is telling that he made everybody false. So what did Vince McMahon have to say, Dan? Well, he said it was him all along, and that every one of us bought it. Even his family bought the story, and he blames Austin for causing all of this. The entire plan, oh, we'll get to that later, was enacted to teach Austin a lesson. Vince will do anything he has to do in order to torment Austin, Vince thanks Shane, The Undertaker, and everyone else involved with the corporate ministry. And here are Linda and Stephanie McMahon, Vince's wife and daughter. But to be fair to Stephanie, you can't really blame her for turning, over, uh, turning on her dad later on in the year after you've just done this to her. <laughs> so, yeah. I love you. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't the <laughs> quick mouth. I was. Oh, no, I love that. I love that. Well, Stephanie wants to know how this could happen, and Vince said it was just business. Linda says, let's talk business then. Vince sucks up to hear to her, but she says love has nothing to do with business. First of all, when Vince says that he and Shane both own 50% of the company, Vince is lying. Since they are former mans, they all own equal shares. Vince didn't build his company on his own. That's why this morning there was a meeting of the board of directors. First and foremost, there are changes to the dress code. It's now less formal with more cut off jeans also some profanity and maybe drinking on the job are perfectly acceptable that's not the biggest deal though the real story is that linda has stepped down as ceo of the company while picking a new ceo that new ceo will have full authority to run the company as he sees fit with a new ceo so who's the new ceo then (laughs) and listen to that pop (laughs) and it's often with a tie and everything and look at McMahon's face in absolute disbelief. Austin shakes hand with Linda and Stephanie, and we have a new guy in charge. <coughs> well, Austin takes off the tie because he has a power finger instead of a power tie. As a middle finger for Vince, for Austin talks about making a fast transition to power. Well, first and foremost, Austin will be getting a title shot in the near future and will be taking his title back. As for the next pay-per-view, which is King of the Ring... It's going to be Austin versus Vince and Shane in a handicap match. Vince is fine with that, but Austin doesn't want to hear about that. As for tonight, it's in the next pack in a handicap match. As for the remaining members of the union, which will be Shamrock, Test and The Big Show, they can pick any opponent they like. Well, since Triple H put out Mankind with a sledgehammer last week, there's going to be a cast match with Triple H versus The Rock. And since Rock's arm's in a cast, we're going to put Triple H's leg in a cast and have a one-on-one match. If anyone has a problem with any of that, 
Come find Austin, and if he's not having too much beer, he'll talk to you. Much needed break. Linda and Stephanie present Austin with a briefcase full of beer. <laughs> okay, so now we're about a third of the way done with the show. Let's recap for a second. For those who are unfamiliar with the story that led to all this, here you are. Back in the late fall winter, Untaker started to get more and more into his character, which meant he was starting to become more and more demonic. This said to him start to kidnap people and recruit the army that would become the Ministry of Darkness. Undertaker's plans were revealed as him wanting to own the WWF and run the companies he saw fit. But Vince was too busy fighting the war against Austin with his corporation. Soon after that, Undertaker invaded Vince's home and stole a teddy bear, which belonged to Stephanie, showing that Vince and his family weren't safe anywhere. Also around this time, Undertaker began talking about serving a higher power. Vince began to crack under pressure, which became even more intense when Undertaker kidnapped Stephanie at the end of Backlash. This resulted in a black wedding where Stephanie appeared on Raw, symbol resembling a cross. Paul Bearer attempted to wed Stephanie to take her, but Austin made the save because it was the right thing to do, not because of any care for Vince. This led us to Over the Edge, where Austin defended the title against Undertaker with both Vince and Shane as guest referees. Shane screwed Austin out of the title, which led us to tonight. And as you now know, Vince was the greater power all along meaning that he terrorised his family, tormented himself in a way, lied, cheated and act like a crazy man and cried national television, all to get the WWF title off of Steve Austin. Now, those actions of a crazy man... Now, now those are the actions of a crazy man. Why do you ask? Because Vince already had the title of Austin in the first place. Austin had been champion since September. Vince had his corporate champion in the rock. He had the Undertaker under his power. He apparently had Shane under his power. And Austin was the only target he had. Why in the world did he allow the Undertaker and the corporation to fight at WrestleMania instead of focusing everything they had on stopping Austin from getting the title back? Well, there are a few uh, plot holes <laughs> in this uh, in this story, and that you know being the glaring plot hole, uh, plot hole. You know why would Vince obviously focus so much energy on that, and why do it all at once as well? This high power thing—they could have had the high power coming out ominously for a couple of weeks. They could have had you know um, Vince McMahon wanting to fight with a higher power. They could have had that one going on for a bit. Uh, Linda and Stephanie handing over their cup. Co- control to Austin they could have had that going on for a little bit you know they could have had easily a month month and a half out of this but they just chose to put it all out there now because you know Vince had the upper hand for what I can count about two minutes yeah (laughs) and then Linda and Stephanie came out and then you know Vince's it was me all along thing kind of makes no sense now exactly and exactly as I said and now it doesn't make sense because Austin's got more power than he did coming into the show and I think another thing it shows is with WWE I can't they always kind of rely on McMahon anyway when it comes to any major storyline major, major storyline story where, where it usually goes back to Vince and at this time 20 years ago WWF was so hot during the attitude era, it didn't matter that it was Vince McMahon they would watch a product anyway but in the years that went by it always seemed to go back to even now you know with a Shane McMahon in charge would it be an authority or Vince McMahon or wherever it is it seems that that's always the one they go to because at this time it was a success and I think that's wherein lies the problem but anyway we start with our first match and it's uh, tag titles and it's the Acolytes versus Gangrel and Edge well the brood who are Edge and Gangrel were recently thrown out of the corporate ministry after Christian had told Shamrock where Stephanie was the Acolytes won the belts last week from Kane and X-Pac thanks to the interference by Shane the champions run over their far smaller challengers to start and we get down to Bradshaw against Gangrel 
Gangrel fires off what few shots he can, but there's just too much. Texas allowing Bradshaw to hit the fall away slam to take control. Fruit comes in for more moves of the same as he pounds away on the back of the vampire. Off to edge, he spins, speeds things up a little bit with clotheslines and, and spin heel kicks. Not that it matters, though. It's back to still weak. Must be the garlic from the catering. Gangrel, who's distracted by the Harleys and their manager, Michael Hayes, on the stage. As Gangrel turns around, it's a clothesline from hell from Bradshaw to retain the titles. Well, it was a short and sour, like most matches from this point in time. The Acolytes would continue to dominate for a while until, until losing the titles to the Hardys in a few weeks. The new champions would move on to feud with Edge and his new partner, Christian. More or less redefining tag team wrestling for years to come. Well, here's what's left of the union, a stable of four guys that lasted a month, to receive their blank checks from Austin. Big Show does the smart thing and demands a title match with The Undertaker tonight. That gets the crowd going all over again. Shamrock is mad about what Vince did. So the match with Jeff Jarrett, that's that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T, is out. And now it's Vince in the lion's den against him. Oh, my God. Well, this leaves Test, who says there's only one person he wants to be in the ring with tonight. Stephanie McMahon. We cut to Vince and Shane in the back who panic, still of 22 at this point, and her looking beyond awkward at this point. Test asks her out, and she says yes, sending her father and brother into fits in the back. There's a summer-long angle for you. Yeah, so this is the first time Tess wants Stephanie, and it would lead to quite a great feud, and it's something kind of much bigger as well. <laughs> Vince doesn't want Stephanie with some damn wrestler. So, are we going to see Tess pounding Stephanie in the ring? I don't know. We'll see what happens. She's coming out here. And look at Tess, never the gentleman. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? I know Shane and Vince aren't happy, but the union are happy, and Tess is going to take Stephanie up the uh, entranceway. Well, let's just hope we don't take her up the aisle as well. Backstage, Triple H puts his leg cast on. He's used to that. And it is X-Pac and Kane versus Shane O'Mac. Well, X-Puck starts and lets Shane gets in a few free shots before taking him to the corner for a big beating. Shane runs to the floor but gets kicked in the face for being a coward. Cue the Mean Street posse in Mankind Master to save Shane and throw the match out. But here are Pats in the Briscoe to throw them in the ring for an X-Factor and slam. This was barely a match. Pete Cass gets a Bronco Buster and Rodney gets Tombstone. Well, Cole is in the back with Deborah, who wants to challenge the title match to change the title match tonight into a bikini contest. If Nicole wins, she gets a title match next week. If Deborah wins, Nicole has to leave the puppies alone. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then it's Triple H versus The Rock is our next match. Yes, and this is a cast match with Triple H's leg and Rock's arm in cast. Triple H broke the knee of mankind and the arm of The Rock, which is where Austin got the idea from. The Rock's just coming to smack down on Triple H, who can't really get up with the leg in the cast. And this is the new ideas for the COO. A CEO. CEO, even. He's a minute, eh? <laughs> we should see more of this nowadays, I think. I'd love to see a cast, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just very uh, innovative and a rock. With a DDT, he's got the chair. Throws a chair into the ring, narrowly missing shirt stealer Hebner. Well, let's remember if it, anything goes in a cast match. The chair to the back. Loaded up for the rock bottom as he plants the game. But he's not finished there. Well, we know there's bad blood between these two men. And are we going to see the most electrifying move in sports entertainment? Yes, we are. It's the choke slam because Undertaker's made his way into the ring and planted the rock. So chairs are allowed, but choke slams from phenoms are not. <laughs> no, I guess not. And now he's got the rock. 
Oh, no. And the rock tombstoned onto the chair as the Undertaker stands over his limp, lifeless body. And that broke his neck, and, well, here comes a big now. No, James, sorry. How do you introduce the big show? Well, it's the big show. He's facing the Undertaker late tonight for the WF Championship and getting out of harm's way. And the big show's out of breath, just running to the ring, bless him. Well, James, it's time for the bikini contest. What do you want me to say here? Deborah's a decent-looking woman, and when Nicole Bass walks through the woods, Big Show takes pictures of her. Deborah wins in a landslide, and Val Venus comes out to stand up for Nicole. He tells her to hit Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T, with the guitar, but gets laid out by an errant shot. Val wakes up and yells at Nicole, resulting in Bass dumping her. Val chases after her in a bizarre segment. You'll choose Nicole. I think Nicole Bass and Val Venus are related. They both got that blonde curly hair. They both got that <laughs> chiseled jawline. We cannot confirm or deny. But that's they're twins. That's why they had to dump each other because they found out they were related. <laughs> <laughs> dump each other on TV. Uh. This is just like Shania Basler and Pete Dunn all over again. <laughs> and in both cases, the men are more attractive than the women. We've still not seen the back shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we get a we get a GTV basically a hidden camera segment where we never named who actually did it. It was supposed to be gold dust, I believe. It was spying people of PMS making fun of various men. There was nothing to see here. Up next, we've got a match, and it's Billy Gunn versus the Godfather. And apparently, Billy hit Godfather with a chair on heat for some reason. Godfather comes out all aggressive to start and punches Billy into the corner before hitting some knees to the ribs. The announcer said, talk about the PMS bit, despite nothing being said. Godfather loads up the whole train, but gets low bridge to the floor instead. During a 10-count, Rodog, who has recently broken up with Billy, comes in and gives him a pump handle slam. Godfather comes in and drops a leg for the fast pin. It's just built up for the Rodog versus Gun, which round up go nowhere, because amazingly enough, no one wants to see them fight. Meanwhile, Droz vomits in the back. And then we get the hardcore title of Darren Drozdoff versus Al Snow. Well, Snow is defending and they never even go into the ring. They immediately fight into the crowd and use whatever weapons just happen to be lying around, like chairs and trash cans, because this is hardcore after all. Like what looks like a sports bar in the arena and things start getting wacky. I think you can figure it out from here. Pool cues, chairs, drinks, a sculpture goes upside, draws his head and Snow retains. Seriously, that is the whole match. Well, up next, it's Ken Shamrock versus Vincent Mann. And this is a Lions Den match, which means there's a small cage next to the ring, a bit like the Octagon. Uh, and on, and here we go now, Shamrock. But Mann is chaining the Lions Den shut as Shamrock's coming out here. And Shamrock is ready to get his hands on Vincent Mann after leaving the corporation to help Vince out. And he can't get in at the moment. Shamrock can't get in at McMahon. He's playing his best defence here. Well, take, oh yeah, Vince takes the chain from the door and says, look, you can come in if you want, Shamrock. Wait a minute. Shamrock's got the door in, but oh my God. That was Jeff Jarrett, J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T with a chair. McMahon with the ankle lock and Shamrock's out. McMahon has beaten Ken Shamrock. And we asked, how did Shamrock, after being you know so popular in 1998, kind of lose his shine? This is it, okay? Getting treated like a fucking idiot, you know? There are Indeed. sacrifices in a war sometimes, and it seems Ken Shamrock is the one you have to be knocked down for a man to be built to go up against the Stone Cold, I suppose. So, um, Jeff Jarrett? Why Jeff Jarrett would help out I mean, McMahon. it could have been any one of the corporate <laughs> ministry, but they chose Jeff Jarrett, who is currently in a feud with Val Venus. 
I, again, oh, and yeah. wouldn't he be on the side of Ken Shamrock, seeing as though Val Venus and Ken Shamrock had not recently, not that long ago, got in, got out of a feud themselves? Yeah, without a doubt. You over know. Ryan Shamrock. Uh, it's it's so confusing, you know. Right, okay, okay, right, yeah. Another confusing thing is the King of Ring tournament because it's not actually featured on Raw uh, at all. It's been on Heat the qualifying, but we have got. The uh, quarterfinals listed for the King of the Ring tournament that will take place. We start for the first match. It's going to be Mr. Ass versus last year's winner, Ken Sharrock. And we got Big Show versus Kane. Road Dog versus China. It's the first time a woman's going to be in the King of the Ring tournament. And Hardcore Holly versus X-Pac. So quite a DX-heavy feel to the King of the Ring tournament. We'll see how that uh, plays out and might chance to watch King of the Ring. We just don't know. But up next is the WWF world title match. It is Undertaker versus The Big Show. Yeah, and this is what The Big Show asked for. I mean, Test asked Stephanie out. Shamrock just got what he asked for. And we'll see if it works out for The Big Show in this match against The Undertaker. Big Show only attack early, but Undertaker's not even got the belt off yet, managing to dodge the offence. Undertaker's got the belt off. He's going to use it as a weapon, but Show got his foot up and just clotheslines The Undertaker down. Well, Big Show could make a huge statement here tonight. Could he make her big statement tonight? <laughs> well, he hits the elbow and goes back into the cover band. He gets a two. Two. And when the Undertaker got worried about Stone Cold and what he did to The Rock earlier, maybe he'll take the eye off the biggest man in the business. He easily picks up the Undertaker and just throws him into the corner. Stomping him down. A huge headbutt. The Undertaker responds with a right hand. Big show of a huge slap across the chest and just kicking away at the Undertaker some more in the corner. And Undertaker's not really been in this match at all. It's all the big show on top of him. This is only the second meeting between the two. The last meeting ended with a baseball bat to the face of the big show. Going to take a finally fighting back with some offense, but a huge headbutt from the big show, and down goes Taker. I think the big show's been used correctly since coming in. You know, we've have spoken about it from time to time, but he's been now for six months. Do you think it's the right move for big show? Well, he's um, he was in WCW and would have been in WCW. Yeah. I mean, he probably would have still been in the NWO Black and White. <laughs> Um, you know, just knocking about with Vincent and uh, Horace and whoever else is still hanging around in them. Exactly, it's at a main event in Raw, and now both men went for the choke slam. Taker went for the low blow. Taker just taking out Big Show. And the agility Undertaker still at this time managing to fly like that. Just because the Big Show's so big, let's not forget about Undertaker's size. Now both men to the outside. And a kick to the nuts has kind of helped Undertaker get back into this match. As he tries bouncing Big Show's head off the steel steps on the outside, Show blocks it and then returns a favour to Taker. Oh my god, Big Show just easily picks up the Undertaker. But Taker with a backslide, sending Show head first into the ring post. And now it's Undertaker on the apron. Oh, fucking hell. A clubbing blow across the back, sends Show head first into the announcer's table. And now Paul Barrow distracts the referee, Undertaker can get the chair. And apparently the referee went deaf. He didn't hear that <laughs> crack of the chair shot across Big Show's back. Well, it was Hell Hebner, so, you know, he has got uh, plausible deniability when it comes to certain aspects of, like, you know, stealing shirts and all well. I know he is. He's all elite now. He'll be stealing all elite merchandise for the next few years, bless him. Well, they are just a T-shirt company. <laughs> and a huge right hand. We talk about referee Undertaker just intimidating him. You know, just huge right hands by the Undertaker. Um... As any... Yeah, I know. It's weird, though, isn't it? The referee's followed them to the outside. Now, it's Paul Bearer pushing the referee around. Mate, either that or just got caught in his gravitational pull. Uh... 
Undertaker again bouncing Big Show's head off the announce table. I'm surprised that thing hasn't collapsed yet. Well, this demonic Undertaker has definitely slowed things. It's not saying he's an excitable wrestler to watch either now, the Undertaker with injuries and everything like this, but working away on the Big Show. Now finally going to get him in the ring. Now the Undertaker going up to the top. We're getting caught right round the throat by the Big Show. He's ready to load him up for a huge choke slam. There we go. As he plants Undertaker through the ring. Oh my God! He sent him straight to hell. Well, the referee's called for the bell, and now the Big Show's falling into the hole. Trying to fight his way out of it. And the Big Show putting a hole through the ring. And why is the bell ringing? They can't continue the match. And now here comes Bradshaw. How come he didn't choke Sam Bradshaw through the ring then? <laughs> It was just a power of the Undertaker, I suppose. And now Farouk. What about Farouk? Will he go through? Well, here comes the Undertaker getting out of the hole. Nope, Farouk don't go through either. And here now... comes Midian. He doesn't go through either. But look at the monster Big Show taking out four members of the corporate ministry. And for the first time, to, to my knowledge in WWE, the ring break as it was, Big Show didn't take through. And when it happened with his kid, I was shocked. I was like, oh my God. And again, like we saw Big Show put it down a tight on another stunt like that. So the Big Show emerged through the ring. <laughs> yeah. And he sent Undertaker out the ring. Yeah, and we've seen little... And, th- and we're seeing a few years' time uh, a superplex with cats uh, in the ring. Yeah, uh, didn't he do it twice? Didn't he do it with Lesnar and Mark Henry? Yeah. If I, so, I yeah. think so. So Big Show's been involved. But, well, you know, when that happened, and it's a moment people forget. I mean, did you know about the, the ring break moment there? It, it wasn't saying it was fresh in my seat. Exactly. So, but it's nice to be reminded of it and think, oh, my God, wait a minute. There you go. So, uh, I think a, a good episode of Raw. Uh, what are your thoughts on that episode? Uh, I thought it was good. It's something that could have gone a lot better in hindsight, but it was still thoroughly enjoyable. Well, we now jump ship to the WCW, and recently things have taken a major downturn. Major downturn? Well, Macho and Nash were feuding for no real reason, and the world title was being dragged along with it. Goldberg was nowhere to be seen, but not to worry, all young stars would be given a chance like Piper, Flair, Anchor, Henning. Oh, boy. So we start off June 7th, Nitro, episode It's the go-home show for the Great American Bash, which hopefully means we're finally getting some new main stories instead of the dreck we've been sitting through so far. The big old versus new story needs to get going, and hopefully we can get there after this coming Sunday, or at least get something other than Nash versus... Let's get to it. We open in the back with Savage and the girls getting out of a white limo. He opens the trunk and gets out a bucket full of something very unpleasant-looking stuff. Savage is looking for Nash, of course. But our first match is Hack versus Prince Iakea. 
Oh, just what I always wanted. Hack smoking a cigarette freaks Tony Schiavone out, and JJ comes out and says they can't have a match until the cigarette is out. That gets smoke in the face, so Bischoff gets off commentary and gets in the ring. Bischoff gets the same treatment as Dinan, so he calls off the security and smacks Hack himself as the bell rings. Bischoff says, let the match start, and the prince hammers away for one. A Samoan... A Samoan drop is broken up by a fire extinguisher blast from Chastity, and it's time for Eric. Hack can't throw two punches before he gets winded. Hack puts Prince on the table for a swanton, but a table doesn't break. He still whips Arkea into the table in the corner, but it still doesn't break, so he just covers for the pin. Morris and Nobbs come in for the beatdown on Hack, but Kidman makes a save and goes after Hack until Morris stomps Kidman down. Brian beats Hack with a stick and everyone brawls around the arena. What a waste of nine minutes. But we get some Nitro Girls. And we looked at the septic tank stuff from last week. And we get DJ Ran. And then Bischoff says the guy under the hood's initials are VM. This was the night of the higher power reveal. This would be more historic if anybody's watching Nitro at this point. So Bischoff actually ruined who the great higher power was at the start. Of- well, Master P might be here later. And then we get Lenny Lane versus Scotty Riggs. Well, Bischoff spends the intros mocking Sable's lawsuit against the WWF. I'd be shocked if 2% of the audience had any idea what he's talking about. Riggs gets annoyed at Lane trying to use his mirror and jumps him, allowing Eric to babble about Paul Orndorff using the mirror. Eric, be original. Lane comes back with the right hands in the corner and drops Riggs with a bulldog as Lodi comes down the aisle. Riggs gets taken down by an aeroplane spin, but it makes Lane so dizzy he does the sting fall onto the crutch. Dang it, WCW. You have to tell me when I'm watching a comedy match. Well, a hot shot gives Riggs controls. He throws Lenny out as Lodi's feet. Back in, Riggs drives a knee into Lane's ribs for slapping on a chin lock. Riggs stops to look at the mirror and gets rolled up for two. Two. But avoids his drop kick to keep himself in control. He ducks an insecurity but gets caught in a reverse powerbomb for of all things for two. Two. I always thought that would be an awesome looking move as Riggs comes right back with a famouser for the pin. Well, it was a bit of a crap match, and Scotty Riggs is not interesting. No matter how many times WCW tries to push him on their shows, the narcissistic gimmick has already taken about as far as it can, which should tell you everything you need to know. As for Lenny and Lodi, I know what's coming, and it's one of those things we need to just get through as fast as... Well, Flair is in the back trying to convince Benoit to be a horseman again. He's ready to pass the torch to Chris, but Benoit isn't sure. about the feud he and Anson had a few years back. Wasn't that all faked? And Benoit says he'll think about it. Saturn comes in and says he and Canyon want their rematch tonight, but Flair says he was going to give himself and Benoit a shot at the titles. Benoit reluctantly agrees and hugs Flair. Well, here are Savage and the girls with the bucket. We'll ignore his bright pink feathery coat. Savage knows Nash isn't in the building tonight and issues an open challenge to anyone that is man enough to face him. This brings out Sting, who says he's back in black, even though Savage is pretty in pink. The match is on for later. Even though Sting says Savage is on Viagra, Savage, now you're going to get it. I don't really want to see that if I can avoid it. And then we get some more Nitro Girls. And we get the septic truck stuff again. Well, here's Kevin Ashbury in a bag to the ring. He says, Savage isn't here yet because he can't smell macho yet, if you know what he's spewing. His gear is in the bag, now sitting in the chair. And he's heard Savage saying he doesn't like looking ridiculous. Comes out here looking like he does. Fair point, actually. If Savage wants him, come get him. Well, cue Savage with the bucket and the girls. He says he has a present for Nash because no one has ever treated him like that last week. Savage wants Nash to admit that he's a monkey who made a mistake and isn't on his level. 
Nash, I only brought one bag down and you bought three. Well, Nash bows to the floor and says, Savage wants him to put down the bucket. Macho complies, but Nash wants the girls to hold open. Savage to get on his knees and beg, which Savage kind of does. With Savage back to the ring, the bag starts to move. A girl gets out of the bag and empties the bucket over Savage's head. It's a stupid segment, but well done and surprise with the bag, even though no one cares. And it's a tag team title match. It's DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Ric Flair and Chris Benoit. Well, the Joyzy boys are defending and Anderson comes out with the challengers. Paige and Benoit slug it out to start with the Canadian getting the better of it. Flair comes in without a tag and slugs it out in the corner with Paige but gets dropped with a low blow. Things settle back down and Paige rubs Benoit's face into the mat off to a front face lock and things slow down a bit. Benoit lifts Paige up three times in a row but can't dive him to the corner. A fourth time gets him even closer but Bigelow comes in to block the tag. Bam Bam misses a top rope headbutt and Benoit crawls over as Flair walks out. Well of course he does. This is WCW. Well Anderson is livid so he takes his shirt off and gets on the apron as a replacement. Bigelow has Benoit in reverse chin lock as Saturn runs out to get on the apron, kind of making this a handicap match. Benoit dives over and tags in Saturn as house is cleaned. Death Valley driver to Page out of nowhere. Well, no, because there's only one thing that happens out of nowhere. Gives Benoit and Saturn the titles. Of course it's not going to stand because Benoit, Saturn are young and over. But it was a nice moment while it lasted. The match is all about the player turning on Benoit after turning towards him after about an hour earlier. I can't stand those kind of stories as it could be stretched out a bit to build a drama for weeks. And it's said they do it so fast. Almost every company does it and it's getting old. Well, Canyon runs out post-match and now Saturn with a flatliner setting up a three-on-two beatdown. And then we get more DJ Ran. And then on to our next match, which is Cyclop and Damien versus Leparka and Silver King. Bischoff is off commentary. This is a hardcore match for no apparent reason. It's a brawl to start with and Silver King kicking a chair into Damien's face. Cyclops knows King with a trash can and whips Leparka in it for good measure. There's another can brought in and wraps around Leparka's head for poetry motion from Damien. Leparka bows to the floor but gets caught with a baseball slide with a chair to knock him silly. Not that it matters as he picks up a chair and nails a diving Cyclops in the head with the same chair in an awesome visual. Well, Damien drop kicks Leparka off the chair and goes outside only to have to throw the chair at a diving Silver King. Damien in the chair and takes him down with another suicide dive before Silver King throws a trash can out of the ring and over Cyclops' head. He follows up with an Asai moonsault to take everyone out in a cool spot. Damien takes Leparka back inside and takes a chair to the head followed by a trash can lid for a boner. Well, Cyclops gets back dropped to the floor as Damien's setting up the table. It doesn't last long though. Silver King Sonoda DDT Cyclops through the table for another big crash. Damien's middle rope Hurricane Ron is counted into a powerbomb load. Another table for two. Two. Uh, Tony says he kicked out. Hina says why. Leparka sets up two chairs and powerbombs Damien onto them with the chairs not giving away an inch for the pin. Well, where in the world did this come from? It was an outstanding brawl with all four guys hitting each other as hard as they could for some awesome bumps and spots. It's a seven-minute match to have me wanting to see more, even though I'm not a fan of most of the guys involved. I have no idea where this came from or why it wasn't done more often, but it was worth checking out. Really, really good stuff. We get more DJ Rang as he talks some trash about Henning. Norton yells at the black and white for his loss last week. I don't have much to say in response. Oh, here's the cat for another of his open challenges. We're losing full-on James Brown mode now, which is a big upgrade for him as his lame karate character. He brags about shaking up the world until he finally gets an opponent. And it is Cat versus Horace Hogan. Horace jumps in from behind, but Miller comes back with kicks and dancing. A running clothesline in the corner has Cat in trouble again, but an oh-no distraction lets him 
get in the crowbar shot for a pin. Or Cat runs from the black and white post-match. And we get Nitro Girls. And here comes Roddy Piper with something to say. He sucks up to the Cleveland fans and thinks it's time we stir things up, which he'll do by winning control of the company back on Sunday. Unless I missed it, that's the first time the stipulation has been mentioned. Piper has been hearing a lot of the young kids in the back saying they should be in the main event. Well, he's tired of the company. He wants Buff Bagwell out here right now. Well, Piper asks how many years Bagwell has been wrestling. It is eight. And if Buff has ever wrestled in Madison Square Garden, Buff says he hasn't. So Piper calls him Buffy. Well, Bagwell says it's not 1975 anymore and his name is Buff. He'll do anything to get on top, so Piper offers him a match with Flair. They shake hands and that is... We'll go to the parking lot where the girls are in the limo. We've got uh, Medusa, Macho, Mrs. Madness, or Miss Madness, and um, Gorgeous George. And they've just got Kevin Nash into a limo saying they want to party with him and, and Macho Man's nowhere to be seen. So they call Sasha Nash a sucker and Macho Man reveals he's driving it and he parks in front of a skip. And now he says, like, oh my God. A white Hummer comes out of the shadows <laughs> white... and just rams into the side of the limo. White Hummer there. Oh, shocking. Oh my God. They must have killed Kevin Nash. He, he's going to be dead. They must have hit it at least five times. At least 12 times. Oh, but he's alive. The arm flops out of the window trying to open the door, but... Oh, but he's going... He's trying, but... I remember when you gave me a hammer. <laughs> well, fans, and obviously we're in shock, and and I wonder what Dubs are going to do to alleviate our fears, and... Oh, they're going to the next match. That's great. Wow. Well, after the White Hammer, White hammer attack, it's Bobby Duncan Jr. versus Rey Mysterio Jr., and why exactly is Ray Cruiserweight champion again? Mysterio comes out in a gas mask for no apparent reason. <clears throat> Dean Ambrose done it. Conan and Henning are both on commentary though. Conan is sat at DJ Rand's booth instead of ringside. Oh, this is going to be a long match. Ray gets right in Duncan's, well, chest, but it's as close as he can get. Bobby slams him out of the corner to take over, but Ray comes back just by nailing him in the face over and over. A springboard moonsault gets two. Two. And it heads his and sends Bobby out to the floor. Thankfully, he's down long enough for Ray to stop and tie his shoe. Back in and Ray misses the charge into the corner, gets caught into a shoulder breaker for two. Two. He then slips out of a second attempt and drop gets Duncan into the corner for the Bronco Buster. Ray is in control, but Henning just gets up and nails him for the DQ. Well, long enough time to go anywhere and the ending was just stupid. It didn't help that Conan was only on commentary, so he couldn't stop Henning from interfering, which makes the decision all the stranger. The Culture Clash feud isn't bad, but the rappers need a better talker, or at least someone that doesn't make me want to soar off my ears with a cheese grater. Well, Tony and Heenan talk seriously about Nash getting crushed. The cameraman and limo are mentioned, and they're probably dead too. Actually, I didn't even think about the cameraman, yeah. Who cares about cameraman? And it is DJ Ran again. Well, the Steiners come out and say catchphrases, implying that Luger is gone and they're at the top of the food chain. Somehow, this takes five minutes. And we get a recap of the girl in the bag. You really can't talk about a comedy segment after three people just got killed in a fucking car crash. <laughs> well, here's Disco to complain about Bagwell. Buff had a chance to look Piper in the eye and say what he really thought of him, but Bagwell didn't go through with it. No wonder you got thrown out the wolf pack. Actually, didn't he get thrown out for saying what he really thought of Steiner? Anyway, if Buff really is a man, he'll come out here right now for a match. Buff comes out and says, at least he was in the Wolfpack. You know it's on now. 
And it is Buff Bagwell versus Disco Inferno. But I thought Buff Bagwell was going to be going against Ric Flair. <laughs> anyway, we just gloss over that one. Well, Disco jumps in from behind to start, but Bagwell fights back with his wide array of punches, clotheslines, and a big samlet pose. But Disco now has a running knee lift of his own, followed by a middle rope elbow for two. Two. We come back from a break with Buff fighting out of a chin lock. He gets dropped with a clothesline, but this time avoids the middle rope elbow. Buff makes another comeback, and they trade swinging neck breakers, only for Buff to slam him down and hit the blockbuster for the pin. Well, it's not bad. They try yet again to rebuild Buff. Granted, this would be a bit easier if they hadn't lost his big showdown with Steiner, but we can't have something crazy like Steiner losing a match now, can we? This goes an interesting choice for a soldier in the young man army, but I'm not sure how far he can go. Nitro girls! And then it's Randy Savage versus Sting. Sting charges to the ring and Savage runs off. Jaws jumps on Sting's back to give Savage a shot and Macho hammers away in the corner to start. They head outside with Sting being dropped throat first across the barricade, allowing Medusa to get in a few kicks. Back in, Savage hammers away even more as he still has his sunglasses on. More choking and punching ensures and back to the floor to continue their brawling. Sting goes into the barricade again but heading back inside for some powder to the face. Medusa distracts the referee, but Miss Madness gets shoved off the top. Savage pile drivers the referee as this mess is thrown out. Sting did not get a single bit of offence. Savage did nothing but brawl and throw powder, and the girls had too much offence again. The main event scene is getting worse all the time, and somehow we have Savage versus Nash coming up to keep things as low as they can be. Well, Sting makes his comeback after having no offence during the match. He stomps on Savage in the corner, but Rick Steiner comes out to bring Sting down, beat Sting down. Scott Steiner comes out with a belt shot to the face, but Luger makes the save with the ball back to end the show. Some of the wrestling was better tonight, but the stories have gone off a cliff. Stuff like Tank Abbott attacking Sting, Goldberg in general, in in general. general. Piper being fired, Bischoff somehow having authority again, and other stuff. I'm sure I've forgotten that either dropped or just gone with Sam's explanation. On top of that, there's the old versus new story, which has been talked about for weeks, but somehow hasn't been started yet. Maybe they're waiting for the bash or the night after, but could we get some actual action on instead of just people saying they're frustrated? What are your thoughts on Nitro this week, Dan? Um, it has been a clusterfuck. I don't think one match actually ended as it should have done. You know, as uh, with a proper ending, you know, one, two, three, or a, like a submission attempt. It is just over the, all over the place. There's just too much going on. Without a shadow of a doubt, you know. And I think this is the problem. It is a real cluster. Uh, but we have watched one Raw and one Nitro. And now it's 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 the, the people's decision, as it was. We get the results of the poll. And uh, we don't know if it's going to be King of Ring 99 or the Great American Bash 1999. Uh, so, first off, Dan, because you're on Facebook. Do you want to just plug Facebook quickly? Yes, Facebook. You can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Or you can follow our page. It is a WWE Network Review podcast. And you can find the poll up on there. King of the Ring 1999 and Great American Bash 1999 are the pay-per-views. And what do you want, the winner or the loser first? Uh, whatever you want, whatever you want. King of the Ring, 1999, got 71%. Great American Bash, 29%. Fool. Well, over on Twitter, Great American Bash got 70%. And King of the Ring, 99 got 30%. So 
So that's pretty equal with that, with the 1%. So, uh, yeah, well, a 2% swing gets it for King of the Ring 1999. Yeah, but unfortunately, though, as well, we have had a few emails in about it, and they have sided, I hate to say, with the Great American Bash over King of the Ring 1999. Um, Just uh, a couple of them there. Um, This show was absolutely awful, with wall-to-wall garbage and a relentless parade of the worst of professional wrestling had to offer. And it was all capped off with a long-awaited return of a certifiable psychotic nutcase. I, for one, can't wait for the WNR podcast to watch this one. So this therein lies the problem with that. So I think with what we're hearing, the vast majority, and with, I think, Twitter having a bit more, a couple more votes than Facebook, the winner would have to be the Great America Bash 1999. And why? Why Why would they pick that? Like, to, to spite us, you know? Well, because they love us going off on awful things as opposed to... Oh, this is a great match. This is good. It's they prefer the awful, which I, I actually like that because I did. <laughs> I I voted on the Twitter account and I did vote for Great American Bash. Well, it's a shame because King of the Ring '99 is a great one, but yeah, it seems Great American Bash '99. But I think we've learned our lesson and we'll never do this ever and give people a choice. But it is the Great American Bash that we're going to watch, and uh, it was from Fort Lauderdale in Florida from the National Car Rental Centre. And attendance was 13,624. I'm sorry, um, the arena name was the National Car Rental Centre. I'm sure a lot of fucking fault went into that. <laughs> and we're going to run through the car quickly and just tell you what we've got to look forward to tonight. So, first match is Hack with Chassity versus Brian Nobbs in a hardcore match. Our next match is Van Hammer against Mikey Whipwreck. You've got Buff Bagwell versus the Disco Inferno. No Limit Soldiers. and Was it 1999 when uh, that song by 2 Unlimited No Limit was out? <laughs> uh, going against the Texas Rednecks, who are Kurt Henning and Bobby Duncombe Jr. Ernest the Cat Minna versus Horace Hogan. You've got Roddy Roddy Piper taking on Ric Flair with Arn Anderson and Asia. Rick Steiner versus Sting. The Jersey Triad, who is DDP and Chris Canyon with Bam Bam Bigelow, going against Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn for the World Tag Team Championships. And in our main event, it is for the World Heavyweight title, Kevin Nash versus Randy Savage. So I cannot wait for this show. This is going to be terrible. I just know it. And it's And now we know, Dan, this is the listener's fault. It's nothing to do with us, this one. This is all on you. You right? So if you listen to this and you start moaning about it's your fault. This is what you've done. This is what we've got here tonight. Look, even the poster looks awful. Oh, God almighty. I sit here dumbfounded about the storyline in this pay-per-view and just about what people wanted us to watch. And when you think about, did they really think Nash and Macho Man at this time with this storyline would really get fans involved? It's just a complete misfire. It is a literally shit storyline as we come to Great America Bash. And there's no way now because he got hit by a fucking car, Nitro, didn't he? So how is he going to be here? I don't understand. Well, you saw him, you know, passing out as he tried to escape from the car and he didn't look in a very good shape. No. Um, that kind of storyline is good for writing off some, writing someone off TV for a month or so. Exactly, exactly. As opposed to him defending the 
fucking title belt six days later. Well, I look forward to the Goldberg match because, you know, obviously here's what fans give him, <laughs> you know, in some capacity. I know, I know. I'll tell you something, though. I don't mind the... Um, the entrance way and the look of the Great American Bash is quite a cool little setup. It's just a shame there's going to be nothing of note in this entire show. And Tony's funny, Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay, and they're going to give us an update. But it was you <laughs> that chose this yes. for us. It's, it's nothing to do with us. So you have only got yourselves <laughs> to blame. If this becomes the lowest, what you know, listen to show, we know who's to blame, and it's the people that chose it, basically. Yes, the listeners are the reason for mm. it being the lowest listened to show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw the No Limit sh- soldiers getting a uh, Kurt Henning smashing a CD to start off the pay-per-view because that's one of the biggest storylines thing into this show as well. You know, that's what really matters. And and Mike today just telling us what we've just seen as well, which is good. Oh, that's good, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but then after that, you saw us three talking and discussing <laughs> yeah. what happened in the Perth. And Bobby, talk about the main event. We just saw Nash getting uh, hit by a car. Will he be here? Well, he didn't know the dad, so I think it's fine. Oh, so apparently, Tanae spoke to Nash on Thunder, and uh, he's got rib injuries from the uh, the car crash. Not eternal injuries. And apparently, he's not going to be 100%. You know, that's a surprise with a car driving into it. But here we go. We're going to start off. We've got Hack versus Brian Nobbs. And uh, these are, again, two great talents. Hack, of course, getting told off for smoking on the last episode of Nitro. And like I said, Bagwell versus Disco Inferno as well. Should be a classic encounter for two, you know, top-tier performers. Mysterio and Conan versus uh, Henning and Bobby Duncan Jr. Ernest Miller versus Scott Norton, of course, black and white leader. Can't wait for that. For control, even though Bischoff's in control, Piper and Flair. Of course, match no one's been looking forward to. Rick Steiner versus Sting coming up as well. Actually, a young up-and-coming team that people care about. Saturn and Benoit going up against Paige and Bigelow. And then, like I said, our main event with Kevin Nash, who's just suffered rib injuries from a car injury, going to face the match of man Randy Savage. I'm surprised it's not a bucket of shit on a pole match. Just a bucket of shit. In a... Well, while we're watching the intro video, let's. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you for a few songs of... Uh... By the No Limit Soldiers, more specifically Master P. Bout it, bout it too. Make them say, uh, how you do that. Bounce that as. Thug girl, I got the hookup. Hot boys and girls. Soldiers. Mr. Ice Cream Man. Ghetto heroes. Bout that. Step to this. Break them off summon. Bourbons and lax. Goodbye to my homies. I miss my homies. Is there heaven for a gang and if I could change? I don't know who I hate more. If it's Brian Nobbs coming out here as an 80s wrestler, as a hardcore gimmick, just everything wrong with professional wrestling. I don't know if I hate soldiers more with stupid fucking songs like they have in their albums. Or I hate WCW's actual involvement in that and having it imposed. Or just this whole fucking thing. It's going to be a difficult choice at the end of the night. Well, currently... I hate that stupid mullet owning, silly glasses wearing, own name on his arm tattooed knobs. And you can tell by the look of him he smells. Like, you just know that for a fact, you know, you just know. I prefer Jerry Sags. To be fair, I do as well, I don't know why. Just... And he's still doing the AT shout promo, which is, you know, fantastic. So we have Nobs doing a shouty 80s promo. 
while holding a kendo stick. But Jimmy Hart's in there with a trash can as well. So where is Jerry Sags? He's just not around. He's injured all the time, I suppose. I'm sure there's a story behind it that I just can't be bothered to look into. But I just think when the nasty boy's like, ugh. But we've got Hack with his beautiful ring assistant, Chastity. Yeah, Chastity was Raven's sister or girlfriend again. Well, she doesn't look like she's doing crack. Well, it's like Hack Sandman character. I, I never really got the Sandman either. Like, there was no discernible talent there, was there? It was just the kind of gimmick with the uh, with Singapore Canes and everything like this. And yes, before people moan, I have watched ECW and the stuff. And I think he was carried a lot of the times, to be fair, to, to in rivalry with Raven that he had. But he used his son and everything like this. You know, it's just a bit... And to change his name to Hack. Like, there is a sign in the crowd, but I reckon that was put in there. Like, who's coming there to support Hack? You know, I, I don't think they should have bothered with the hardcore division. They, you know what I mean? It's not. It's going to be inferior to what we've seen in WWF and ECW. They should have just tried something different. Maybe improve the cruiserweight division at that time. You know, start something with Hot to start the pay-per-view. I mean, how long has Hack taken to walk down to the fucking ring? Well, Hack does have his fans in the crowd. I think it's just for this match only, though. But, you know, there's still people paying money to go see the pay-per-views are still invested in the WCW product, you know, even though they know what to expect. So, Nobbs has said, uh, well, he's thrown his trash can out the ring, and he says, Hack, throw your kendo stick out the ring in this hardcore match, and let's go at it like men. But Hack was uh, talking to the referee about throwing his kendo stick out. Nobbs got a trash can thrown to him by Jimmy Hart and... Is beating Hack with it. Trash cans must be making a little bit of money from uh, wrestling at this time, and you know, they still do from time to time. And that is the most important thing about this match: mm. the man who does the trash cans. Well, at least he's happy. You know, he's watching. That's another trash can and trash can lid that I'll uh, pay for my services. I mean, to be fair to you, I, if I was running a promotion, like if we were going to say that I was doing it, these two guys wouldn't be there because they're not in, not. not superstars. Are we going to see a pit stop? We've got the Rikishi stink face on WWF, but no, that doesn't compare to the pit stop on WCW. And the pit stop, James, for those unfamiliar with it, would you like to describe what it is? It's like put his armpit in a opponent's face. It's just Indeed. it's an awful move. And now he's got the chair. But you said he looks like he stinks. Armpits have probably got to be the cause of that stink. Yeah, it's his gimmick, but he's just a... Dirty little man, isn't he? You know, Sandman gets the feet up, bounces Nob's head off the chair. <laughs> Nob's head. It's hacked now. What's he gonna do? Oh, he's gonna do it again. Oh, look, bangs Nob head off the floor. <laughs> and he bounces a trash can off the back of Nob's head. <laughs> this is actually gonna make me look forward to stomping grounds. <laughs> that is the only thing about it. I'm gonna be so unhappy these next couple of shows. Uh, and now Ladder gets thrown in. But a trash can shot to the head. Gives Nobbs control. Um, so did he hit Hack with it and then fall over himself? Yeah, or Hack was meant to block it and it didn't really work. And he jumps over the top rope and drops the leg on the ladder that's on Nobbs' chest. I'm going to call him Brian for now on, James. <laughs> you call him your Brian. reaction every time I say Nobbs' head or Nobbs' chest. I, I, have, I don't mind you with Nobbs coming out your mouth. And now the ladder call on Nobbs' leg. And Hack hits Nobbs' leg with a chair. Which was in between the ladder. And I mean, Nob's hand's bleeding because of that chair shot to the leg. 
And this is true hardcore. Two men putting it all on the line. And the fans who are on their feet in the early going have slowly sat down. Bless you. And Nob throws Hack into the ladder that was set up in the corner. That is just pure nasty. Much like Chasson. And they've taken all the uh, life out of the crowd already. Great way for an opening match. Especially with just gratuitous shots. And there we go, another trash can shot. Well, James, I'm sure Van Hammer and Mikey Whipwreck will bring the crowd back to their to their, to their solidness. We could be watching King of the Ring 99 now. We'd be watching the King of the Ring tournament and finding out who's going to be there. Been great, you know, but instead, we're watching this knob and hack match. And again, trash shot. That a shot. Well, we could have been watching. No, that's just a dark match. Oh, fucking hell. On the dark match, King of the Ring 1999, meet with Jacqueline and Terry Runnell, defeated Kurt Angle. Wow. We could be watching that on Sunday Night Heat. But no, we uh, the first match. Oh, no, that's the, the first match is. On this is a King of the Ring quarterfinal match. X-Pac going against Hardcore Holland. We could have had The Brood, Christian and Edge with Gangrel against the Hardy Boys. That's on heat. The Corporate Ministry. Well, Midian and Viscera are better than this. No doubt about it. But anyway, Nob's taken over now. So, uh, Hack went for senton off the top. Nob's moved. He hit the ladder. And now Jimmy Hart's got the chair up. Accidentally hit his man, Nob's. Hack with a kendo stick across the head. Falls for the cover to... Three, and thank goodness this match is over. Hack wins this one. Um, Just a load of hard shots, and that is about it. Oh, no. Humorous is in to beat Hack. Well, he's part of the first family with knobs, and there is no one out here to save Hack. And they put the ladder on Hack as uh, Humorous goes up. No laughing matter. Oh. And he hits it. The moonsault taking out Hack with the ladder on him. <coughs> and now the Ladder is back on top of Hack. Nobs is up on the second rope with a trash can. Drives trash can and the ladder into Hack. So first family apparently back on track after that. Losing the match and then beating up Hack. <coughs> and what a formidable force Brian Nobs and uh, Hugh Morris look to be. And the referee raises Hack's hand in victory. Well he may have won the battle. Looks like he lost the war. And it looks like he's losing even more going home with Chastity. Mm, we'll have to stop off and get a bit of crack. But apart from that, Lisa will have her by her side tonight. When they say it's afterwards, it looks even worse. Indeed, yes. At least that one's over and we've got Van Hammer and Mikey Whipwreck are up next. Great. Well, let's hope we get something. Oh, wait, a pipe in the back. We could have been watching Kane versus The Big Show. Mm, but instead, Buff Bagwell thanking Piper. Well, Buff said Piper's giving him the ball. He's going to have his back. And I don't think Piper's happy about that. And here comes, talk about ECW, Mikey Ripwreck. Much like Hack, former ECW champion. But at this point in time, again, I have no idea why they got him the roster. He's popular for a couple of years, but wouldn't make that transition. He looks like a fat AJ Styles. Honestly, he was not trained for wrestling. He'd seen Mick Foley do it in ECW rings, like sacrificing his body. And thought, oh, hang on a minute, I'm going to try that. But he kept suffering injuries because his body wasn't built like Mick Foley. So eventually, you know, he's still going to, you know, he's still wrestling like independency and stuff like that. But it was just the amount of injuries he picked up. But I don't think Mikey Ritter should be anywhere near a pay-per-view in 1999 for WCW. 
Especially with no build-up on Nitro. You've got three hours of Nitro, two hours of Thunder, and yet you get throwaway matches on pay-per-view. Hack with Brian Nobbs. Hack and Brian Nobbs. That kind of had a little bit of meaning to it. This match, it's a filler. Right, and it just you shouldn't have filler. Look at Van Hammer. Unbelievable. This is just... I just... Everything I think we don't like in a professional wrestler with Van Hammer. It looks like he's coked up off his tits. Are you serious? You know, he's just like... Not really much talent associated with Raven's flock. Didn't go on to great success, believe it or not. Okay, then, James. <clears throat> what championships slash accomplishments has Van Hammer achieved? NWA Southeast champion. No, he has actually held... The only thing he has won in WCW was the Jesse Ventura Strongest Arms Arm Wrestling Tournament in 1992. <laughs> he was voted... In 1991, the most embarrassing wrestler. He was ranked 112 out of the 500 best single wrestlers in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500 in 93. And in 2003, he was voted number 402. Is he dead or alive? What do you think? I think he's alive. He is yeah. alive, yes. Retired in 2003. Well, Van Hammer winning the uh, test of strength with Mikey Ripwreck in this one. Never held any titles whatsoever. Mikey Ritwick? Fucking hell. He won the easy title and the tag team titles. He's 47 years old and he is fucking... <laughs> Honestly, he... Look. Fucking hell. He's definitely put on a bit of timber. He looks like Mick Foley now, then. That would be fair to say. Cut the arm drags by Mikey. Joe's for the third one, but gets cut off. Backbreaker by Van Hammer. Is he wearing a pair of Dr. Martin... Ankle boots as wrestling boots. Yeah, and a and, uh, singlet, which is not probably the most, um, you know, attractive of uh, apparel to wear. I'm not very intimidated by his look, shall we say. <clears throat> I forgot my wrestling boots, so I'm going to wear my pair of Doc Martens. Aesthetically pleasing as it's not. Now Mikey fighting back on Van Hammer. <clears throat> you see the fans moving in the crowd, going to get their drinks. Don't blame them. Empty seats as well. Well, Rick Rick there, taking Van Hammer to the corner. Van Hammer turns it around, though, places Rick Rick on the top turnbuckle, and probably the most god-awful throw, throws Whip Rick. Let's get a load of that referee's mullet and stash combo, Well, that's Nick Patrick here. I mean, we don't talk about him a lot because, obviously, the glorious power of Charles Robinson, but... It's evil NWO referee, and then, you know, what he would do in the invasion angle. And like you said, at this moment, supporting the probably the best mullet-moustache combo that like you can, really, you know? Indeed. You know, Tom Selleck would look at him and go, fucking hell, that was, you know, that's what I should be wearing in the 80s. And as, has Mikey Whipwreck got some knee pads just above his ankles? Yep. Yeah. Just to protect the shins. As Van Hammer now has got Whipwreck up on that second rope. Delayed vertical suplex. Super. They could have thrown a Goldberg match in here. But no, we get Van Hammer versus Mikey Whipwreck. And he hits a leg drop, but can't get the fall that way. I wonder how Nick Patrick maintains that look. Must be a lot of work, you know what I mean? Like, must be a couple of hours spraying and curling and... He must have a team of stylists just for him. Yeah, do you know in the back, no, sorry, these are Nick Patrick's guys. They just work on him extensively during matches. <clears throat> and it looks like he's got him in the abdominal stretch. Made famous by Wallace no. Snowbland. No. 
Made famous by... Wilbury Sneedley. <laughs> no. Schneider Wilfred. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Wilfred Schneider. Back in the 1930s, and he first put the move on against a bear. I heard that. Yeah. And then the second one was against the crocodile or Fro- alligator? Alligator. Okay. Yeah, people get that mixed up in history. Crocodile was the fifth fight. And Van Hammer taking Michael Rick out in the corner. And Nick Patrick just, you know, showing what he's all about as well. We could have watched two monsters going at it in Kane and the Big Show in a King of the Ring quarterfinal match. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't a great match, but it's better than this. You know what I'm saying? This right now. Like you said, I'm in, I'm going to enjoy Corbin versus Rollins because of this. So in actual fact, you know, in fact, we should thank them, you know? Yes, thanks. Thanks for giving us this before stomping grounds. And now he's got the stairs, but this is not no disqualification match. Set up next to Barry Cade, and he's climbing them very close to Barry. He's got his feet underneath him properly. And drops Mikey Whipwreck, throat first onto Barry Cade. And I think there's a few fans' arms in the way as well. So, well done. Well done, Van Hammer. Well, that was probably one of the most anticlimactic moves. I think it was a fall-away slam, wasn't it? Drops him down. Mikey Whipwreck manages to recover from that to throw Van Hammer headfirst into Barry Cade. Now he's got Van Hammer draped over the bottom rope. And he kicked the second rope. And a leg lariat over the top, which barely skims the top of Van Hammer's head. And then throws himself to the outside of the ring in a suicide dive way, but ends up probably hurting himself more than Van Hammer. Don't worry, they're covered in all the beer that was spilt with the fans. And now they come back into the ring. Whitrex up top, Van Hammer's to his feet. Flying Fez press. Yeah. And he gets a two. Two. And then Whitrex goes up to the opposite corner to get up to his feet. Oh, Whitrex falls off the it. top, goes off the second, gets caught by Van Hammer. Van Hammer, Alabama Slammer. <laughs> I like it. Uh-oh. Oh. 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 No. The straps are down. Oh. Business is on. The Cobra Clutch. And then into a slam. One, two, three, four. I'm sure he counted four. But anyway, this match is over. Van Hammer got the victory. We could have seen Kane defeating the big show. But no, no. It's just awful. Like, and I, I get spoiler alert, they did nothing with Van Hammer. This was an awful, awful waste of pay-per-view. And this is another thing WWE just didn't care. They didn't care about the pay-per-views, did they? They didn't put anything into it. These fans paid money to go watch it. There's no point because it's just, it's just nothing. We've seen nothing these, part, these last two matches and it's not going to improve anytime soon. You know, the crowd are trying their best. But there was really nothing to to get behind yet, you know. You need to start the match st- st- strong, set an example out, and they just don't. And they think they could just try out the same old shit. And now the big hit has come out. <clears throat> well, James, it is Disco Fever. I think Disco, with all of his limitations, as a character, could be used in certain situations. Situations. As a comedic character, like a Santina Morella... Or like we've seen with an R-Truth now, as opposed to being used as a kind of mid-card main event play. You know, I think Disco had that potential, but I don't want to see him try and actually be competitive against wrestlers that I, I like. But I'm lucky tonight because he's not going up against a wrestler that I like. So that's okay as he goes to a fan at ringside. What are your thoughts on the Disco Inferno? Um, Yeah, 
he's he's an idiot, isn't he? Really, he's uh, as you say, he is definitely just someone who is an early day Santino Morella. No one that you could possibly take serious whatsoever. He's yeah, he's just a tit. But you know, it's like if Disco was involved in a storyline like Nash and Savage was with getting covered in shit, I think that would be acceptable because you've got a comedy segment along with a comedy character as opposed to a main event level rivalry going with uh, a storyline like that. And I think that's where they could have used maybe Disco a little bit more. As for Buff, well, ever since his split from Scott Steiner and then Scott getting back with Rick, really, it just kind of makes you forget that Buff was there in between. Uh, as they were going through the NWO. And Bagwell, again, is a man with no conceivable wrestling talent. But again, I suppose he looks like a superstar. And he was given a chance in WWF, let's not forget about that, until they decided that he was awful. And he was one of the reasons why they didn't make WSW a weekly television show. Yes, uh, what was he, WWF for a year? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, him and Booker T had the main event on Raw where it was WCW and it was so bad, WWF was just like, no, we're not going to do it anymore. And then apparently, uh, Judy Bagwell, who we all know for the Judy Bagwell on a pole match, rang up JR one day and said Buff couldn't come in, uh, he wasn't well. And JR said in no uncertain terms that um, if you ever do that again, you'll be fired and Buff didn't really last long after that either. Just, just didn't have it, but he did go on to have certain success. Well, Bagwell competed in two live events in TNA on December 15th, 2006. Bagwell and someone defeated David Young and Elix Skipper. Who did he team up with? Disco Inferno. Wrong killings. Oh. Our truth. And the next night, Bagwell and someone else defeated David Young and Elix Skipper. Who? Rhino. Oh. But he did become, you know, a stripper. So he did have a little bit of success male escort and now we're going to see these two guys go at it and buff definitely got his fans in attendance yes he's uh, also in 2016 filed a lawsuit in the u.s district court in connecticut against wwe for what sexual aggravation no royalties for material he is featured in on the wwe network it was dismissed shortly after but no one i'm sorry but no one is searching the network for buff bagwell content i mean yes we have got a buff bagwell match but that is because of the pay-per-view that it's on it's, it's you, you know you're not going whoever if you're listening and you search for buff bagwell then just get out just get out you know what i'm saying like what is the point he also starred in a 2015 smash hit film you might have heard of it the good the bad and the buff the mark bagwell journey well, no, I, I unfortunately haven't caught that yet. But when it does come to Netflix, I'll be sure to watch it. This match has started and Disco, in the early going, has matched Buff Bagwell. So I'm sure that's, that's a good thing. And now he's shown his uh, Disco dancing moves. And with a net breaker and Buff, of course, has suffered a neck injury in the past. He's been out quite a, too long time for that. So other than Buff Bagwell, can you name me some other names he's been known as in the ring? No. He's known as Christian, Fabius, Fa- uh, the fabulous Fabian, Stranger, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, and Marcus Bagwell. He was trained by Dusty Rolls, baby. No, Dusty did get it wrong sometimes, then. Anyway, and currently at King of the Ring, it is Billy Gunn going against Ken Shamrock. Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> well, side headlock there by Buff. Take a shot every time Buff does a pose. Or disco dances, we've already seen that a couple of times here. Swinging neck breaker by Buff. Oh. And he... Oh. 
points. There you hey. go. Down to one knee, and the gun show is on. So there we go. Both men showing their skills. <laughs> this kind of stuff makes me want to stop watching wrestling. This stuff makes me want to gouge my eyeballs out with it's... a rusty spoon. This is negative heat. I said to you, I'd be watching like 95 and 96, because that's comedic. Comedically bad. This is unintentionally bad. Like, there is Do no safety. They're in actually this. out there, and then once they've had this match, they went back and they, yeah, yeah, we yeah. killed it. Smashed Fans it were up on their fucking feet cheering us. We are so over right now. This is going to be big business. Macho and Nash talking backstage. Yeah, cover me in shit. It'll be a great story. Then I'm going to hit you with a car. Push you on. <laughs> See you in Pussy on. And then Buff Fainin going off the top. Disco rolls back into the corner and escapes the ring. And then goes outside for a seat. While Disco says, your willy is that big. No, so, sorry, he's that close. <laughs> right, would you rather watch... I'd rather watch a Shania Basler match right now than this. What about you? What would you rather? I would rather watch a Simon Dean versus the Boogeyman one-hour Iron Man match. <laughs> Best out of three. Uh, I would rather watch uh, a WWE 365 on Mojo Rawley. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather watch Enzo Amore's full WWE NXT catalogue from his debut to his firing. (laughs) Fucking hell. Yeah. I think you win that one. Never mind, James. Up next, we've got Conan. (laughs) (laughs) God. I'm not going to get out of here. I'm just not. (laughs) Disco. Just working on buff. Get old choke. We don't see that enough in WCW. No, we need we need more chokes. We need more choking. Disco hangs Bagwell on that top rope, and then just takes it back in. And you know they should be looking at like, not say performance center, but I know they've got the power plant, but just more basic training. It just seems a little bit more lax. It seems a little bit tighter in WWF as well. Just how actions and stuff just really really off. And these are two guys that are meant to be mid cards, you know, especially Buff, like a high mid carder. And now Disco dancing again on that second rope. And a double axe smash down. Goes for the cover. Two. No, Buff managing to kick out. Oh. So what did Buff Bagwell win in WCW? <coughs> Tag titles. Yep. TV title. Nope. US title. Nope. He won the Tag Team Championship five times. Two Cold Scorpio, two with the Patriot, one with Scotty Riggs, and one with Shane Douglas. <coughs> he also won something in 2001 by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. What was it? Worst match. Worst wrestler. Most embarrassing wrestler. And now Buff's making a comeback in here, and he's working disco over in the corner. So we're in 1999. Pro Wrestling Illustrated ranked him... Number 66 of the top 500 wrestlers in the PWI 500 well, and, this year. And then they voted him that the following year. It doesn't make any sense. Two years later. Yeah. No, that's Wrestling Observer, not Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I care about neither. All I care is about is dubbing our podcast. And now Buff Bagwell hung up. He didn't make our dubbing our 50, I will say. He wouldn't make our WNR 5,000. <laughs> oh, Disco... With the last dance to the outside, or a variation of the stunner. 
best move of the match. In 2005, uh, in 1995, what did Disco Inferno achieve from wrestler newsletter? Uh, best debut year. Best gimmick. Ah, so you're Disco gimmicks on And this year, sorry, so we've got, what was uh, Buff Bagwell? 68? Yeah, something like that, yeah. We've got the 68th best wrestler in the world of that year going against the 85th best wrestler in the world of 1999. What are you moaning about then? As Buff Bagwell gets in the ring, breaks the referee's count, and Disco cannot believe it. He was nearly dancing his way to victory, but no, 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 no. And Bagwell's down, Disco's stomping on the back of his head. Bagwell might be playing possum. Hello, possum. Disco's going to pile drive him after doing the Macarena. Eh, pile drive, ain't I? Aight, no. Buff Bagwell with a back body drop. And Buff Bagwell's unloading on Disco. Floors him with a huge right. Irish whip, back elbow, running drop kick. And Buff is dancing again. Till he runs in, walks into a thumb to the eye. This is a more of a dancing than it is wrestling at the moment. But Buff, reversing Disco, but runs into back elbow. No, he didn't run, James. He walked. And now a power slam, but Buff decides not to leave his feet. Hung, hung. Buff blocked. Buff's a bit Disco thought he blocked it. Oh, no. Catches him with it the second time round. Rolls over Disco. One, two, three. And thank goodness that is over. Do you know what? I don't think that was too bad in the end. No, I'm lying. No, I mean, it was alright. The ending. The right man won. The right man won, I suppose, with Buff Bagwell getting the victory and Disco didn't look too bad. <coughs> yes, please. Okay, so Rey Mysterio is another interesting character because we've got this match coming up. I just want to look at it first. Because Rey Mysterio, of course, <coughs> one of the most in the entire world and we saw what he could do with the mask on and then Bishop had this idea that... No, wrestlers, you know, shouldn't have the mask on. You know, Juventud Guerrero, the people that have psychosis, Rey Mysterio need to lose a bit. we get the big push. And, of course, the big push was facing Kevin Nash. And what happened in a big match against Kevin Nash, Dan, with Mysterio? He got his mask removed. Your mask moved, got squashed. Then looked for revenge in a tag team match. He got beaten yet again. Conan is a one. Because Conan was part of the Wolf Pack, wasn't he? Part of the, the NWO. And then got kicked out for no real apparent reason, and then was kind of treated, even though I'm not a huge fan of Conan, kind of treated less than, because it uh, wasn't really used correctly and teamed up with Mysterio in that way. Now these two guys have come up with it, their idea of what they want to do, and I think it's a waste, really, of Mysterio, and I think of Conan. I want to tell it's a tag team match. Um, can, I just, can I just say that, um, you know, this the West Texas Redneck, or Bobby Duncan Jr., Where's he from? He's from Amarillo, Texas. He died age 34 in Austin, Texas. A year, well, less than a year on from this. But his partner, Kurt Henning, he's from Minnesota. And Minnesota is 1,227 from Texas. Minnesota is North America. Texas is South America. But what's interesting about that is uh, there was an interview with his family shortly after Kurt Henning's death, because unfortunately we lost both of these guys now. Kurt Henning died in 2002. Uh, and the fact is they said that out of all the cats, he'd Mr. Perfect that we know him best for. He more in real life was more about the, uh, like we said, West Country rednecks 
and actually being the fact that he didn't like rap music as well. Again, I think it's an interesting gimmick because especially because of the, the No Limit Soldiers and everything like that. But it's just taking up too much airtime. And I think with Mysterio, is a guy that, you know, shouldn't really be used. And look at him coming out of gas masks. I mean, Mysterio's just turned into a mini Conan. That's all that's happened. Bowdy, bowdy. Oh, they got Catherine wheels. Sort of fireworks. So what are your thoughts on Conan and Mysterio, at least as you've seen their treatment the past couple of years? Their treatment has been shit. Um, you know, and as much as you hate Conan, I think he should, could have been treated a lot better. Um, you know, for what he is, he's, he doesn't totally suck in the ring. And, you know, he has got a lot of passion for wrestling. You know, he's still in impact at the moment. You know, a manager for a stable, but a very successful stable. So, you know, he has got wrestling in his heart. Uh, Rey Mysterio, he, absolute brilliant wrestler, very underutilised, underrated part of WCW. Um, should have been treated a lot better. And again, going up against Henning and Duncan Jr., it's we can... a, a pointless, silly kind of feud. But you can see later on, though, why WWE decided to put the mask back on Mysterio because of their treatment after losing the mask. It was so forgettable anyway. You know, it's like to say, he lost it for two years and yet he just came back with WWE and didn't really make a difference. And I think that just showed that it was kind of a nothingness anyway. Shush, James. Conan's talking. But not getting as big a reaction as he used to. Ray Mysterio looks like some weird kind of that gas mask pulled up high. It's like a New Day and alternate reality. New Day and Dean Ambrose got together. Well, Bobby Duncan means business. He's got his cowbell on a rope. And now Curtin gets the mic and has a go at the No Limit Soldiers. They get attacked behind by the overall wearing Mysterio and Conan. I think Conan's overall is already broken. Unless his last is style. No, he has one. One open. And now Mysterio drop kicking Bobby Duncan Jr. outside. I know. Conan throw Mysterio onto Henning. Drop kicks him out. Best bit wrestling we've seen all night. So what is the King of the Ring alternative right now? Um, Currently in King of the Ring, we get Road Dog versus China in another King of the Ring quarterfinal match. So, so far we've had four not terrible matches. I mean, X-Pac, Hardcore Holly, uh, Kane versus The Big Show. Wasn't the greatest of matches, but still wasn't terrible. Billy Gunn and Ken Shamrock again. You know, Billy Gunn's worth watching. Ken Shamrock, a bit of a crazy fucker. And Road Dog against China. Well, we missed Steve Blackman. Uh, making his impact on Heat as well, attacking Ken Shamrock, the kind of new lethal weapon up in there as well. So there's a few developments going over on King of the Ring, but like I say, we're getting Conan and Bobby Duncan Jr. Um, tying up. So Colin rolling under, and then Bulldog tags in Mysterio, and a standing hurricane run, and then dropkick Hennen off the rope, and then Mysterio taking Hennen out on the outside, dives back in. Gets caught by Duncan Jr. straight into a backbreaker then takes out Conan now the West Country Rednecks going to take over now on Mysterio the smaller man a huge powerbomb doesn't even bother looking for the cover tags in Kurt Henning now Henning just easily picking up Mysterio and slamming him down is it Henning I say Henning but I think it is Henning but you can say either or it don't really matter it's a weird name could be as bad as Curtis Axel well like I say like he is you know Kirk Axel and his dad Larry the Axe Henning as well so there's been a lot of uh, history, and of course, Bobby Duncan Jr., you know, what his dad accomplished in the sport. And Ray Mysterio now, even with his son involved in Dominic, 
And there has been a little bit of build-up for this match, so you can't discredit it that much. We have seen little bits on Nitro and Thunder as well. So it makes sense. It's at a pay-per-view. Probably the best match so far. How did Bobby Duncan die? Overdose. Accidental overdose. Well, you don't know on purpose, do you? That's suicide. <laughs> and now Henning tugs in, said Bobby Duncan Jr. He's got Mysterio sidewalk slam. Conan desperate to get the tag in. Hey, gets it. I don't think he was supposed to, but... No, no, referee didn't see it. It's a classic. Ah, ah the old classic. And Ray Mysterio gets thrown back first into Barry Cade. And the No Limit soldiers at ringside trying to get Mysterio back in this match. And Mysterio fighting off Henning. Conan desperate for a tag in there. He wants to come in and be on fire. Absolutely beautiful dropkick effect. He wasn't the man he once was, but he was still in there every now and again. And you see he's probably looked more comfortable here than he has done in the past couple of years in WCW. And he spits at Conan. Good work. Conan sells it. Drags Rey Mysterio into his corner, gets Bobby Duncan Jr. in and distracts the ref by taking out Conan. And now he just sits on Rey Mysterio's head. Enjoy some sphincter-based cuisine. Well, you know, Henning will do what he wants as he picks up Mysterio now. Atomic dropping him right in the referee's face, double-teaming. Well, just walks over the back of Mysterio and dances while pointing at the uh, No Limit shoulders. And Conan, the former librarian. <laughs> and now Henning, I uh-oh. Think, I think Conan was coming in to try and cut off Duncan Jr. But went for Henning instead, and now the straps are down. Might be, actually. And he's doing the grind there as he's just squashing Mysterio's head on that bottom rope. 20th of April, 1999. And that was a little grind in his uh, tribute to his former friend, who used to be his manager in WSW, Rick Rude. What Rude. day was it? Uh, and Conan gets the hot tag now. And the referee again didn't see it. But apparently the referee didn't. Now Henning's swearing that he didn't tag. But we did see it. I didn't. Now Henning with a huge suplex. Just stepping over Mysterio's limp body. <clears throat> now just wearing down the much smaller Mysterio who is desperate to get a tag in. Now Henning. Irish fit to Mysterio. Second right springboard. But Henning catches him. Looking for snake eyes, but Mysterio with a backslide pushes them into the corner, slides between the legs, kick to the chest, and can he get the much-needed tag to Conan? He finally does, and the referee sees it. Conan comes in, and he's on fire, baby. Jumping over Bobby Duncan, kick to the midsection, X-Factor. Mysterio somehow back up, and then Irish whips Henning into the corner. And around Mysterio gets Irish whipped into Kurt Henning, who kind of... He fumbles that one, then goes down for the Bronco Buster. Mysterio finally hits the Bronco Buster. And then Conan with the right hand in the corner. X-Factor to Kurt Henning. As Mysterio works on Bobby Duncan. Duncan looking for a powerbomb. But Mysterio turns it round. And now here comes Bay Windham. And he's cheap shot. Master P from the No Limit Soldiers. Oh, Mysterio messes up a 619. He drops Duncan with a huge shoulder block. Mysterio for the cover. And the free count. And now the No Limit soldiers are fighting Wyndham. And all hell's broken loose with the security. What do you think of that? The match wasn't actually terrible. You know, you had uh, Henning and Bobby Duncan beating down a smaller Ray. Finally getting the much needed tag to Conan who came in and uh, kind of done a bit of damage himself. Uh, but now after the match, Conan is being forced to watch as Rey Mysterio gets hogtied. <laughs> well, the Lone Limit Soldier will be taken out. And them now. 
And they and again we're seeing it that the Hills losing, but then attacking the faces afterwards like we did with uh, Nobs and Hack. So they have the last laugh here tonight. And I'm glad someone's laughing. Well, James, this is no laughing matter. Well, after that, we are turning the action up. And it is the Cat versus Horace Hogan. Oh, my word. But the Cat's theme tune, you've, you, you don't mind that, do you? It is a very, very funky tune. I mean, you know, if we was watching King of the Ring, James, do you know what match we'd be watching? What match would it be right now? We'd be watching the first ever pay-per-view match between the Hardy Boys <laughs> and Edge and Christian <laughs> as I was part of the brood. In a tag team match to determine the number one contenders of the WWF Tag Team Champion. They did face earlier off on Heat, but it did end in a no contest after one and a half. So we are instead getting Horace, and he's got the microphone. Good. Um, Do you know what Cat won in WCW? Nothing. He was a three-time WCW commissioner. (laughs) And Pro Wrestling Illustrated ranked him 479... Of the best 500 singles wrestlers during the year 2003. Wow, at least he got on the list. Let's Hor- have a look, see what Horace Hogan has achieved. Now, Horace saying that he used the crowbar on his friend on Nitro, which is true. In the same year of 2003, Horace Hogan was ranked 497 of the top 500 wrestlers in 2003. Unsurprisingly, he never went to WWE. Yes, and uh, do you know what Horace won in WCW? Hardcore title. Nothing. Oh. He um he was ranked in nineteen ninety two two hundred and fifty seven of the best top five hundred singles wrestlers. Wow. And the cat is saying that Horace brings Scott Norton out here now. And Horace instead saying, No, I'm gonna take the match. And they come out and these two men just trading right hands. And he is actually Hulk Hogan's nephew. Yeah, the Elsie job. One of his talent, was it? <laughs> I mean, look at Horace Hogan right now. Again, we're talking about cuts to the roster. Cut these two guys. Actually, I'd cut probably everybody that's been on, apart from maybe Mysterio at the moment. He did actually join the WWF in 1993. He made televised debut on January 31st on an episode of WWF Wrestling Challenge, losing to El Matador. This was his sole televised match in the WWF, as he competed exclusively at house shows for the remainder of his tenure, he was primarily used as a jobber, losing to wrestlers such as Jim Brunzel, Jim Powers and Marty Jannetty. And now Horace throws the cat across the ring. Okay, this is not a pay-per-view match. And, as I, and I, I'd like to reiterate, we could have been watching the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy, going against... Ed- and, you know, everyone who knows wrestling knows what kind of matches them guys have. It would have been good to see them tangling early on in their mm. careers. But no, we get Horace versus the Cat, both wearing singlets. Oh, singlets are a big choice. I mean, we've seen a few of them. Van Hammer as well. I think they just got a bulk buy on singlets. Oh, yeah. They just thought, put your name in it, guys, and let's do it. One size fits all. We're now the Cat kicking Horace, taking him down. Can he prove that he's the greatest? I am the greatest. I mean, WWE got Cat, and WWF got The Rock. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I mean, the guys who call themselves? Oh, my goodness. Well, he has, he's actually known as Ernest Miller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sonny Ono now won't get involved. Oh, he got involved. It's nice to see managers are still a thing in WSW as well. Uh-oh. Ono said, uh-oh. Oh, no. And Horace going after him now. And luckily, Cat caught him from behind and then sends him into Barry Cade. Sonny Ono, is he dead or alive? He's alive. He tried to sue 
WCW, maybe even WWF as well. Now these two men just brawling on the outside. And I feel the end might be near as Horace throws the cat back in. On the Wrestling Observer newsletter, he got an accomplishment three years on the trot. Worst manager. 96, 97, 98 and 99. So it's four years basically in total. And that's all his champion. On April 28th, 2018, Sonny Ono was given a spot in the VCW Hall of Fame. But later declined the induction because of choosing sides with companies. They later revoked Ono's Hall of Fame induction for the time being. Well, the cat just hit a low blow behind the referee's back. The standard of officiating in WCW is atrocious. The amount of times they miss tags or low blows or anybody else getting involved really should be kind of looked at at a committee meeting, you know. And now the cat might be looking to put away Horace. Palm strikes, but reversed Irish whip. Big boot by Horace. You're going to go for leg drop. No, splash instead. One, two, no. Cat with a kick out. Uh-huh. And I think Horace is trying to get the fans into this. Good luck. Oh, no, up on the apron. Oh, Cat comes charging in but gets chucked over the top rope. And now he's gone into the briefcase and what's he giving him? He's giving him a shoe. Bless you. And that's for the magical briefcase. Oh! A super kick with the shoe on. One, two, three. Cat. Beats Horace, thanks to the red shoe. And I tell you something, it's really difficult trying to grade that match when you consider the other ones that we've seen. Um, God. Yeah, all right. No, I mean, and now he's getting on the uh, the ruby slippers, and there we go. Oh, the full. James D. Uh, was it? Oh, no, not James D. Rick Martin cloak. James Brown. James Brown cloak. As he staggers, oh, throws the cloak off and he starts dancing. And he says he's the greatest... And again, that's not that's not bad. Used correctly, it might be quite enjoyable. Uh oh. And again, the victor of the match gets attacked by the loser of the match. I think we got a theme here, guys. Well, we have got a theme for bad wrestling. That was an awful match. Uh, as we move on to our next one, but now we're going to improve because we've got main event talent. We've been crying out for it all night. Even though they are the aforementioned over the hill wrestlers that. WCW have been pushing, as opposed to focusing on the younger talent. I mean, you've got the likes of Booker T, Stevie yeah. Ray not even making an appearance on this. I don't know where, um, well, we all know about Jericho's contract status as well. Goldberg not being involved and just, you know, Eddie Guerrero coming back from injury soon. People like Dean Malenko. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. <laughs> so the video leading to this is all about the horsemen not being together, even though it's bigger than that, and it's meant to be about control of WCW, even though Bischoff's been calling the shots. Piper became president by beating Flair, didn't he? I thought well, I remember correctly. Yeah. And of course, Flair was involved in a feud with Macho, which was quite entertaining, involved back into this. And Flair has been a constant for a world champion just a couple of months ago. So we know what Rick Flair's accomplished. We know what Arn Anderson's accomplished. So Asia... What would you say she has accomplished? Well, I wouldn't treat like a woman. I wouldn't treat like a man. I wouldn't treat like Naomi. I just treat her for who she is. Uh, she won the muscle building firework. Dis- oh my god, that firework's going off pretty. Well, way. she won 1995 MPC Florida <laughs> State that? Championship. She came first. I think that's actually just on fire. So gone. She won the MPC Florida State Championship in '95. In 97, she won the Ms. Florida Bodybuilding Championship. Yes. She came first. In 97, MPC USA Championship. She came sixth. Boom. 
97 Pro Invitational Strength Extravaganza Championship, she came first. 98 MPC National, she came first. 2001 The Jan Tanner Classic, she came fourth. Unfortunately, she did pass. But she's still alive. She is still alive. So she made her debut in April 1999. She retired August the 25th, 2002. Wow. So at least she would have a little bit more work with... I think she hung around Scott Steiner towards the end. Yep. Um, Dale Torborg on 8 October 5th, 2000. They had their first child named Saria Ray. Good for her. At least she didn't go down the route of China. Also a wrestler as well. Dale Christian Torborg. He was known as Dale Torborg, the demon or the... Good for him. Now here comes the guy originally from Glasgow, Scotland. And now fighting out of Miami. Well, the man originally from Glasgow, Scotland, who was born in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Mm. Now we love Roddy Roddy, Roddy Piper here. And like I said, he might be a little bit over the hill as it was, but he's still involved in the... Like I said... the right things, but as a kind of killer or main event talent, it's not really working, especially when you've got the kind of what's going on with WWF. What match would be on at King of the Ring? Because this ain't bad, actually, Flair Piper. Um, It would be King of the Ring semi-final match, Billy Gunn versus Kane. It's not a bad match, but let's see if Piper and Flair can actually beat it in direct competition. As Piper looks ready, and Piper ready for action here, and... You know, Flair, 16 type and never holding the WWE or WWE Heavyweight Championship. But, and he spits at Flair and says, come on, bring it on. And Flair is wearing red trunks, Dan. What's that mean for everybody watching? Um, well, we've kind of cracked the Flair code. So we can, well, he's got blue knee pads on as well, so maybe that'll make a difference. That might do. If he wins by DQ, that means... So red trunks normally means what? Victory. Red trunks normally means Ric Flair... Wins. Wins. And blue means he loses. But he has got red trunks and blue knee pads on, so maybe that means something a little different. And now Piper with a backdrop, and now with the right and the left in the corner, and he's taking Flair down. And now Flair, Flair bump, classic Rick. Woo! His shoes chopped to Flair. I'm going to poke to the eyes. Beating Flair at his own game, and Flair fending off now. Begging. No, 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 no. How Piper. many times has Ric Flair been married? Five. And then Piper the right hands. Flair throws him into the corner. And now Rowdy Roddy Piper the backslide. Going for the cover, but only gets a two. Two. And now Flair just pushing the referee. Referee pushes him back. Piper the right hand. Just knocking Rick out of the ring. And, you know, fair play to Rick. He has been quite entertaining. Well, can I just say that he was ranked three of the top 500 wrestlers in the Pro Wrestling Index uh, Illustrated 500 in 91, 92 and 94 and was ranked number two Two. in 2003. Who was? Uh, Sorry, Flair. Um, Feud of the year, feud of the year, feud of the year. Match of the year, one, two, three. Uh, Match of the decade against Shawn Michaels. Uh, Wrestler of the year... 81, 84, 86, 89 and 92. There's no doubt the kind of history with these two guys, but what we've talked about, is it relevant for today, as in 20 years ago, 1999, after we've seen so much of Flair and Piper? And I think the answer is no. You know, and No matter what they did for the 80s professional wrestling, there's no doubt in Piper and Flair. 
you know, to still be here. And, this, you know, Millennium is just so near the next kind of generation of WCW, and we've not seen it. You know, there's been nothing really. It's been the reliance on the kind of older styles. Even though this is entertaining, but if it wasn't for such a, a big role, if it was for, say, just like a, kind of, again, a comedy match of some sort, it might be acceptable. Yeah, well, this isn't this control of WCW. Yeah, but they've not really mentioned it with the storyline before. The video building up was more about the horseman. And then we see a low blow by Rick to get control of this match. And Flair sends Pipe to the outside and, of course, the enforced for Arn Anderson's there. And again, another match and another manager, really, with Asia and Arn Anderson. Oh, no, I messed up. Sorry, if Flair wears red trunks, he's probably losing. So it's red trunks of Flair if he loses, blue if he wins. Probably. <laughs> And now Asia raking to the eyes of Piper. But it does say his most important, his most famous match. Oh my God, and Flair. The most blatant of low blows. As the referee was distracted by double A Arn Anderson. And what have I said about officiating here? It's, it's disgraceful. Another wrestler caught. Who's that fellow with the long blonde hair? He looks quite muscly. And now Flair would have chopped to Piper. Oh God. And now we see Flair's ass. <laughs> Flair running around, getting caught, rolls him up, but no manager to kick out. Uh-huh. And his ass is still on show. Down Anderson, Anderson, so the referee, please stop it. Well, Flair goes, goes to climb up to the top turnbuckle, gets caught by Piper and thrown halfway across the ring as Piper terribly clotheslines him. And now Piper trying to build momentum. As Flair begs off, punches Piper in the midsection and slowly throws him out of the ring. <laughs> this should be a Legends match. As Piper knocks out Anderson, shoulders a midsection and sunset flip. Gets it in. Two. No, only a two count. Two. And a chop. And now Irish whip. Sleeper by Piper. And this will be it. And Flair is caught. And Flair is fading fast. But managing to push Piper off. Arn Anderson grabs a leg around him on Piper. Referee checking on Arn Anderson now. Well, Piper's only 45 at this moment, and Ric Flair's only 50. Yeah, but when they've been overexposed for, like, 10, 15 years, therein lies a problem, as he's just thrown, like, not brass knucks, but something to Flair, and he's used it as a weapon. He's knocked out Piper, and now Flair going over to Piper to make the cover. One, two... No, Piper managing to kick out. Ah. Uh-huh. Figure four. As Arn Anderson helps while pulling Flair's arms as he's got the figure four locked in. That means Piper might not be able to turn it. You can hear the crowd cheering. And they're looking at the ramp. Oh, it's Buff Bagwell. But he did say to Piper that he had his back. And he just starts beating on Flair. And the referee calls for the bell. And now Flair backdrop by Buff Bagwell. Piper can't believe what's going on. And has Bagwell done it to help Piper or cost him the match? And Flair begging off a Buff. Oh, now Piper starts beating on Buff Bagwell. When he wasn't happy and then... Now Bagwell takes out Piper, and now it's Arn Anderson, <clears throat> and it's the double-A spine. Now Piper's got the belt, and Flair and Anderson and Piper all working together now. <laughs> what is this all about? <clears throat> well, I want to see if he can run with the ball, and he's getting whipped, and now referees are getting thrown around. Well, I never thought this would happen, and the crowd just seemed to be a bit befuddled by this. And again... <laughs> and have a match afterwards. I know Buff Bag weren't involved, but like just getting beaten down. So Ric Flair is still president, but I guess Piper's lost his commissionership. But Bischoff's still calling the shots as well. But if now if if Piper and Flair are in cahoots, then if it will be a okay there. 
Wow, Dan, what do you thought of that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly don't even know what the fuck to make of this match. I mean, it was a match for control of the company. Yeah, Piper doesn't really seem to care that he's lost control of the company. Unless he's taking it unbuffed, the fact that he has lost. I don't know. Maybe he blames him for that. I don't know if it was a, a, a bad match, you know, between the two. He's sort of traditional what Flair does and what Piper does. But it's just a shame that... It's meant to mean more, you know. If it meant, if it was for a Legends title as opposed to control of WCW, it would have been quite funny. But when you're trying to take it as serious as you can, Indeed, I mean, yeah. therein lies the problem. I mean, Piper coming out now getting booed, it's, it's more confusion than it is, isn't it? You know so what I mean? I think this is him kind of cementing a heel turn. But it's the fans just like, well, why? And do I care about Buff Bagwell enough that Piper just beat him up? No. But here we go. Rick Steiner versus Sting is next. And we saw Sting answering an open challenge to Rick on Nitro. In a Fool's Count Anywhere match. And of course, he had a cage match as well. We've got to remember that with a roof on it. And that got room when Tank Abbott got involved. Of course, Goldberg's not been there. And Lex Luger has been around to try and help. And talk about mistreatment of a wrestler. I can understand putting Rick and Scott back together and trying to make them as a team. But like with Sting... To try and have them, like, not as an Undertaker-type character for your roster. I mean, what they could have done. They've really dropped the ball with him, haven't they, in the past couple of years? Absolutely, yeah. You can see, like, what they wanted to do. To kind of make him just a kind of a mysterious figure in the back. Maybe come out when, you know, things weren't right. Trying to even up the numbers and stuff like this. And instead, it's a character who came back rejuvenated after his injury. Won and lost the world title. And then just thrown into kind of meaningless Rick Steiner feud. I know, it's what I hate about it. It was a complete mistreatment of Sting. Like, why give Rick Steiner? Why put him over here? When? And Rick's slowly coming to the ring now. And what are your thoughts of Rick Steiner, the dog-faced gremlin? Again, I was quite a fan of the Steiner brothers when they was a tag team before Scott got jacked up beyond all belief. Um, you know, I think he, he's probably more suited as a tag team wrestler because, you know, he's got someone to... Highlight how crap he is. You know, he he can be the one taking the beating and being the hard hitter, while his brother was the more technical wrestler. Mm. Well, let's not forget Rick Steiner is TV champion. Scott Steiner is US champion, as as we know right now. Even though he's not really featured in the pay per view, uh, but Rick's ready for Sting here, and Sting has got a lot of fans. Even though, like I said, what happened at Starcade '97 and everything since then. But he's going to be ready for Rick Steiner here tonight. Stink here, you got to credit that. Absolutely, yeah. He does look ready for action. You know, he's been wrestling for a while now. And when, even when, as long as Undertaker, in a weird way, you compare the two in 99, you say Sting's the healthier of the two right now. Again, though, you know, at this moment in time, Rick Steiner is 38 years old. He looks a lot older, doesn't he? He does indeed, yeah. Uh, he's 40. So, you know, we've had... Uh, a 40-year-old, well, we've got a 40-year-old Sting going against a 38-year-old Scott Steiner. We've got Ric Flair, who's 50 at the time, going against a 46-year-old um, Piper. You know, there's... And then you've got Macho and Nash in the main event. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It just seems a bit disjointed, doesn't it? You know, like I said, if you're going to go old versus new, it makes sense. But don't have Buff Bagwell, a face of the fucking young. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And Sting has started this off strong with Rick Steiner... It's him with a clothesline. So falls do count anywhere. And already they've gone to the outside. So this could have been for the TV title, seeing as, you know, Rick Steiner. If they can, and what happened to Tank Abbott as well? You know, what, he challenged Goldberg. Like, 
uh, where's Goldberg been and what Sting about Lex Luger who made the save. He's not been featured having him going against Scott Steiner. So have a tag team match might make a little bit more sense. But no, it's WCW at the time. Absolutely. And you remember whose fault this is, Dan? It's not my fault. It's not my fault either. No. Right, it is um, the listener's fault, <laughs> yeah. yes. And Rick Steiner, I've got to work the midsection of Sting. And Sting's got the gloves on for protection. And do you know what we could have been watching, James? What's on King of the Ring right now? We could have been watching X-Pac going against the Road Dog in a King of the Ring semi-final match. But no, did you know the tag team... And Sting to the outside now, Rick Steiner puts him on top of Barry Cade. <clears throat> Sting certainly has got the upper hand over Rick Steiner. <clears throat> Steiner fights back though with uh, a bottle of urine. I cannot confirm or deny. And again, James, what are they both wearing? They're both singlets. They're singlet sale. You're right. And uh, Rick's wearing a classic black. He didn't even bother putting his name on it. No, he couldn't be bothered to put cat on it. Or dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Sting's got the secret Coke. Oh, I think that had ice in it, though, James. That fan just lost $10, but the ice to the face. I'd have been pissed off. I'd have <laughs> <Yeah>, five <laughs> fucking quid for this, you cunt. <laughs> Don't take it. I don't care if my coke's on television exactly. and part of a wrestling match. How much money do you make, mate? And now they're coming over here and Rick's done getting choked out. <clears throat> All them dumb hick fans as well. These poor fans spent money for this event. Uh-oh, now Rick Steiner's on a barricade and Sting is not going to miss this one. Oh, Sting a splash, a miss. Oh, that's a shame. Now fans trying to get their way and Rick's got Sting... Hangs him up throat first over the barricade. Uh-oh. He's pulling back the uh, thin mats there on the concrete flooring. Is he going to pile drive Sting? Oh! I don't know what that was. It was a falling backwards pile driver attempt. Pin cover? No, only a two count. Two. But on that concrete. Uh, I think he landed more on the doubled up mats actually, but <laughs> we see his intention. And Sting's face paint slowly coming off now. And they're back in the ring. I didn't even notice that. He doesn't wear his amateur wrestling style headgear that protects him from cauliflower ears. Yeah, he's a serious man now. <coughs> New attitude, hit the low blow in a German suplex. Onto the cover. Two, no. Sting managing to kick out. Oh, good. Choking. I've not seen enough eye gouging tonight. I do hope that once Sting gets the victory that Rick and Scott <laughs> beat him down. And now Rick Stein's got a sleeve from Sting. I don't think even Sting can save this. Now Rick just attacking Sting at will. Who's will? Hits the elbow, goes to the cover, but again, Sting up at two. Two. I don't think there's anything he can do in this one. As Rick drops all his weight onto the back of Sting. Oh, but Sting turns it round, got the knees up. Oh, straight into the nuts of Rick. Knees up, Mother Brown. And now Sting put in position. Swagger bomb, second swagger bomb. He's going to go up for the supervised splash. Huge splash covering half the ring for the cover. No, only a two count. Two. Mickey James. And another low blow. Oh, nothing. That. Referee gets shoved out of the way. Snapmare and a reverse chin lock. Shit. Must have been better than... i tell you <laughs> what. This match has been better than a couple of other matches. Maybe three of them. The Sting fights back, knocks Rick down. For a full count anywhere match, he spent a lot of time in the ring. They have indeed, yes. Stinger splash in the corner, though. Tyrone thinks second sink Stinger, sec, second Stinger splash in the corner. Now for the Scorpion Deathlock, and, and something's happening. Sting's got it in. Rick goes for the ropes, breaking it. 
No, nothing happened. All the fans just started looking towards the end. They assumed that someone would come out and attack them. And now they're going that way anyway. So your little stingers there in support. As Sting takes Vic Steiner up the aisle. They're, they're stinglets. <laughs> little stinglets? Stinglets. Well, whatever you want to call them. And now Sting's got Rick. Suplex on the ramp. And what a huge suplex on the ramp. Oh, they're going over to WSW.com. Mark Madden's in trouble. Oh, the interweb is offline. And Rick Steiner's there trying to monitor it. And they're going, going now. And they're going somewhere we can't really see properly, which is great planning. Yep, very poorly lit area. Yeah, let's go straight into the darkness. Oh, oh, Tank Abbott's back there. Tank was lying in wait with Scott Steiner. Oh my God, these dogs. And the dogs are biting Sting. Oh, one Doberman's biting the other Doberman, isn't it? Oh no, he's got his knee pad. Oh no, look at this big one. Oh no. Oh, and Sting's getting mauled by dogs. Oh. Oh my God. They're tearing his leg off. Oh no, what's that? It's his head. Oh, that, that one's gone through his throat. Oh, oh please Jesus. turn this off. Oh, Christ. Oh. Think of the children. Wow. Well, after the, the death of the cameraman with a car crash on Monday, and now that massacre. I don't think I'll ever go over that. I don't even know. It is, uh, that was a scary sight. Oh, my God. Oh, now, look. Scott's coming out here. Dragging the referee with him. Oh, that was absolutely sick. Sick and twisted was in Tank Abbott. They've crossed the line tonight with that massacre of Sting. <laughs> and Rick Steiner is the winner of this. And the referee's saying, yep, Rick Steiner beats Sting. <laughs> so they're trying to protect the WWE franchise by sending dogs out to kill Sting. Okay. Then they send the referee out, and the Steiners are dominating. What? So Scott Steiner's still in the NW to know. The NWO's still about? Well, apparently so. I, I didn't think so, but maybe it's just him and Rick Steiner. I can't believe he's still talking. Bow, Bow down. down. <laughs> Bit of cheap heat there. Shittiest town in America, Baltimore. Never been to the I? And up next, it's the tag team titles, Jersey Triad, against Saturn and Benoit. <clears throat> so WW, WW, WW actually invested a lot of time in the story when you look at what had happened on Nitros. And in a weird way, to get there, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, in a way. But it's difficult to explain, because Saturn was teaming with Raven originally... But then Raven was beaten up by the Bam Bam Bigelow and DDP. And then he got with Canyon, who got beaten up by Paige and DDP Hospital. So he couldn't compete. Yeah, but he then came down to compete, but then got pinned by them so they could win the tag team titles. And then Ric Flair <laughs> wanted to team with Chris Benoit to win the titles back. Yes. And then during that match for tag team titles, Flair Walked out on Benoit, leaving it two and one. On Anderson jumped up onto the apron <laughs> to get involved in the match and team with Benoit. Yeah, but then Saturn came down, tag came in, hit the Death Valley driver, and won the tag team titles for the two of them. Yes, but then the Jersey tra- versus DDP and Bam Bam Bigler Canyon then came out. Yeah. And turned on Saturn and Benoit and sided with DDP and Bigelow. Yes, and now it is <laughs> DDP and Canyon going up against Benoit and Saturn. For, uh, for the tag team titles. Titles who are held by Benoit <laughs> yeah. and Saturn. Yeah, okay. So that's quite an easy story to follow in a weird way, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed, yes. Um, 
with all the ones we've had tonight, like, yeah, you know. That one makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But we've got this interesting fact here, both on the same amount of matches. This is both the eight match in Great American Bash, and it goes on for 19 minutes, 13 seconds. The eighth match, uh, um, King of the Ring, goes on for 19 minutes and 14 seconds. And what match was that? Um, it's The Undertaker against The Rock. Oh, so two of my favourites, but why would I want to watch that? Why why on God's green earth would you want to watch that when we've got the Jersey Triad of DDP and Chris Canyon with Bam Bam Bigelow going against Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn? Yeah. But then again, Perry, these are the two youngest guys we've seen by a country mile. And it says Brian Nobbs, the graphic that comes up. Fantastic work by the production team of WCW. Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit, two hungry young guys going to go against DDP, who's, uh, you know, quite old. But Canyon... Well, at I've... this moment in time, he's 40. Chris, Chris Canyon, about 30. He's yeah. not with us. No, Chris so Canyon. Like... It was one of the first openly gay professional wrestler commit suicide due to reasons. Uh, uh, suicide by antidepressant. Yeah. Read, read the book. Uh, it's fantastic about Canyon, as in his, his kind of life story and getting a kind of inner look at what it's like. A real innovator with offence uh, in, in wrestling as well. Someone really underrated, I feel, in my eyes. So Canyon's dead. Bam Bam Bigelow's dead. Chris Benoit's dead. Yeah. Saturn went mental, didn't he? He went missing for a few years as well. And, of course, we've got uh, DDP, who's, you know, saving lives now with DDP Yoga. But it should be a good one. I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully it's a little bit of fun. Oh, we got... Yay. Well, we're going to start off with Benoit... And Canyon in this one. So if you want to start at the same time that this match starts, you could watch The Rock versus Undertaker, and it goes on for the exact same amount of time, and I'm pretty sure you won't miss anything. Well, The Rock threw a free out, and then Rock hits Rock bottom, and he had him one. And Canyon's sent out there with a drop kick. But we have got a few young-ish bucks in this match. Hmm. So, you know, it is... And as Jersey Triad is new, and... We've talked about Paige being world champion, his improvements, and Bam Bam Bigelow finally might be used, you know, correctly as a kind of heavy in a group and Canyon involved. So, like I said, it's positive, but it's just not enough on a pay per view. This is a match I'm looking forward to. Well, you could be watching the Dead Man against The Rock, but you're watching the Dead Man against the Dead Man. <laughs> and Canyon with shoulder thrust in the corner, and Benoit with his huge chops. Irish whip and just throws Canyon in on his front. In comes DDP, but that brings Saturn in to kind of knock him out of the ring, and Canyon gets knocked out of the ring by Benoit. Well, Saturn did say, with, you know, he weren't friends with Benoit, but he respected him, so he didn't, you know, didn't really have a problem with him, and you can see the kind of mutual respect that each man have got for each other. So, Canyon, what are your thoughts on Canyon? Like I said, really underrated. I think mean, great, you know, you look at the moves that he could do in the ring, and the kind of, you know, the, the character that he had... Very connected to DDP, as we'll see throughout his uh, career. But I think someone that could have gone the extra mile. And I quite like Perry Saturn as well as a guy who maybe, especially with his look, could have done something a little bit different with character development. But unfortunately got punished in WWE in later days with a moppy character who didn't really work out. And we know all of Jim Benoit. But I think Bam Bam's a guy that you know deserves a lot of credit. He's been around for an awful long time as well. And still staying relevant at this time. And that was Saturn and Page. Trade the moves in the ring. Nice drop toe hold there by Saturn. Picking up Page, slams him down. Now second rope leg drop. Canyon's in and Saturn dodges him. That brings Benoit back in. Now it goes after Page. 
Dropkick Saturn sends Kane out of the ring. Benoit with a slam on DDP. Uh, Saturn and DDP. Is, he closes him. Close, Saturn clotheslines DDP down and he tumbles out the ring. Yeah, they're going to try and regroup. That's not going to stop Saturn and Benoit. We go to the outside and both start wailing away on Bam Bam Bigelow before climbing into the ring only to get shut down by Canyon and Page. Belly to belly overhead suplexes though from uh, Benoit and Saturn. Saturn takes himself and Canyon over the top rope. Leaving DDP in there to deal with Benoit. Irish whip reversed by Page. Sends uh, Benoit to the ropes. His foot gets taken out by Bam Bam Bigelow. And then Benoit takes out Canyon. And then gets thrown to the outside where he gets double teamed by Canyon and Bam Bam Bigelow. And it's good tag team wrestling by the Jersey Triad. There's Page now just choking out Benoit. There's Canyon assists while Bam Bam Bigelow is up on the ring apron distracting the referee. <laughs> I've talked about all night as well. I've talked about rebuilding the company. I think all these guys I would keep as part of a WCW. I think they've all got, even Bam Bam Bigelow, I think still got a little bit of uh, something about him that could offer to the company, you know? Yeah, well, he's uh, he's a big guy with uh, a bit of a good reputation as well, you know, a strong reputation. So, uh, yeah, he would definitely be worth keeping around. Um, so, who else from the roster then? Hack and Nobs, did you keep any of them? No, we won't keep them. Van Hammer and Mikey Whipwreck. I know, get rid of them. Buff and Disco. Get rid of them. Um, Rey Mysterio, um, Conan. Uh, Henning or Duncan Jr. Just keep Mysterio. The Cat and Horace. No. Flair and Piper. In uh, different capacities. Well, like as commissioners or, yeah, as, or uh, saying, general you know, managers, something like that. Create a Legends title you can fight and thunder. <laughs> Rick Steiner and Sting. Sting, not uh, Rick with Scott as tag team. But not a single. Yeah. Um, Savage. Uh, I would get rid of both. Wouldn't you have Savage with the Legends title? No, I would. I would want them to go WF and cause the trouble that they have in my company. <laughs> so you'd have three wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. But then you know, obviously, there's a lot that haven't been. Uh... Yeah, three plus you know these these guys as well. So. Oh yeah. Who would your heavyweight champion be? These eight. <laughs> Out of the eight, yeah. Sting. And then Sting can fight the young guns and someone who can prove their worth at his level. And then Goldberg comes out to challenge him. Yeah, does. But at the moment, the uh, Jersey Triad have taken complete control and they've got Benoit now looking to powerbomb him, but he turns into a sunset flip, grabs the arm, and Benoit now back suplex, goes for the cover. Two, but no, page out at two. Two. Benoit still got hold of him though. And now is Canyon helping out. Page with a low blow. We might have seen that in every single match. I think we have, yeah. It gets up Benoit, sit out powerbomb. Didn't even go into a cover. Looks over to Canyon, tags him in. Up to the top, moonsault, but Benoit moves out the way. <laughs> and Canyon sells out like a beast. And Benoit is discombobulated, doesn't know what corner he's in. Neither does Canyon. He's, they're trying to go to the neutral corners as they were for tags. Both trying to call along to their respective partners. Both get the tags in. And it's Saturn and Page. Saturn's unloading on DDP. Turns his attention to Canyon. T-bone suplex to Canyon. Scoops land for Page. And Saturn goes up top. And Bam Bam can't catch Saturn as he splashes Page. One, two... No, only a two count. Two. You can see a close-up shot of Saturn with a ten punches in the corner. But Canyon with a face-first powerbomb, sending Saturn to the mat. Page across for the cover. Two. No, Saturn managing to kick out. Oh. <coughs> Page gets a tag into Canyon. He drops the elbow onto Saturn. 
And now he's just got his uh, shin across the throat of Perry. So the first time ever in his career is uh, Paige going for the WCW Tag Team Championship. And now Bigelow holding Satinus Page, just raining down with punches. So if Page and Canyon were to win this match, would they be? Would Page now then be a triple crown as he's had the US title heavyweight? And it would be, yeah. I think it would be, yeah. He might even flirted with a TV title back in his uh, early days as well. So Page has been involved. What storytelling, you know, most famously against Macho Man Randy Savage a couple of years ago in 1997, and kind of being the only few guys who didn't join the NWO. But now, of course, with his heel turn, as everybody seems to do once they get the championship gold, and Canyon Page double-teamed, but can't keep Saturn down. Yes, you are correct. Um, he's won the World Heavyweight Championship, TV title one time, uh, US Championship. So Page has done everything that has to do in WCW. And he's won Lord of the Ring tournaments, kind of a knockoff of King of the Ring. <laughs> no, it's all Page and Canyon over Saturn. Did you know the 40-year-old virgin... In a deleted scene. <laughs> he was also in the 2001 film Rat Race in a deleted scene. Now Canyon, Irish whip, dodges low and Saturn going to go sunset flip, but Canyon tags in Page. <coughs> and that was clever by Canyon, holding on to Saturn as Page came off that top rope there. And Benoit comes in fighting. Saturn rolls up Page, but Canyon's there to stop it again. Now Page tags in Canyon. And Benoit must be getting fresh on the apron, waiting. So Page, he... Uh filed a lawsuit against rapper Jay-Z who claimed he had illegally adopted his trademark hand gesture. He accused Jay-Z of trademark infringement and sought a prohibit injunction and monetary damages. It resulted in Paige dropping the lawsuit for an undisclosed account of money, amount of money. Um, and then Nirvana uh, sued Paige because his entrance music, Self High Five, intentionally contains similarities to the 91 hit Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, composer Jimmy Hart and Page felt exemplified the sound of the 90s. Uh, Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl in turn claimed WCW owes us the money. Uh, before any further actions or lawsuits took place, the track was altered to sound like it was, but wasn't. A bit more information about DDP. He also drove a pink Cadillac down at WrestleMania 6 and a former European champion. <coughs> and it's weird because WrestleMania 6 he drove down in Canada and then he made his WrestleMania debut WrestleMania 18 against Christian. Now they're working over Saturn still in the corner, but now Saturn fighting out. Elbows to Canyon, punches to Page, looks to get across to Benoit, but gets a drop toe hold from Page, who tags in Canyon, preventing Saturn from getting a tag into Benoit. Canyon clocks Benoit and then just stomps away at Saturn. He just frustrates Benoit, has to go to the referee, but it has been great tag team wrestler now, stopping Saturn, prohibiting him to get him from his corner. And they're getting a lovely move by Canyon. It's like a face-first, over-the-shoulder set-up powerbomb. But Paige still can't keep Saturn down. He must be getting frustrated now. Now Saturn, with all his worth, trying to pick up Paige and get closer to Benoit. Just fingertips away from the corner, though. As Bam Bam Bigelow's up on the apron. Benoit gets the tag in, but the referee's distracted by Bam Bam. And just that, Canyon comes in, attacks Saturn. And the referee does nothing about it. And Paige saying he's got this. <coughs> Well, Page comes in looking for a splash. Saturn dropped to the mat out of the way. And Page kind of hanging in a very precarious position over the top rope. And will, and will that give Saturn a chance to get to the corner? Page tags in Canyon, but Saturn tags in Benoit. And Benoit's finally in after about 10 minutes. Back elbow to Canyon. Turns his attention to Page. Bounces his head off the post. Bam Bam Bigelow again trying to get up on the edge of the ring. Irish whip to Page. 
Irish rips Canyon into him. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Canyon fell off from the Irish rip. Page fell down. Headbutted Canyon down below the belt. Benoit into the cover, but only a two count. Two. And he knocks DDP outside, and now it's just Benoit and Canyon. Looking for a suplex, but Canyon with a backslide. Looks to push Benoit. Canyon looks to push Benoit into Bigelow, but Benoit ducks out the way, sending the two men head first into each other. We've got the German kept hold of the release. Hits the second. And for the third with the bridge. One, two, no. Page in to make the save. And now here comes Saturn to go after DDP. And Benoit looks to end this. But I don't think Canyon got the memo. Uh-oh, and he's got hold of Canyon now. And a beautiful dragon suplex goes for the cover. And did he get him? No. Canyon just managing to kick out. Oh. Benoit swears blind it was free, though. Russia legs free on pain. Scoop slam by Benoit. Goes up top. Flying headbutt. But oh. Page with a diamond cutter on Saturn. <clears throat> well, Canyon's out, and I think so is Saturn. Can Benoit try and get a cover? And Dean Malenko's making his way down to the ring. Malenko, and as he made the decision, as Page drop kicks Benoit, and Malenko's trying to pick up Saturn as Benoit's got the cross face. <clears throat> Bigelow's in, the referee can't see it. Breaks up the cross face. The assisted cutter. And it's Canyon. Oh, the page going to go for the cover. No, Canyon's a legal man. Referee hasn't seen any of this. Malenko's been with Saturn. Page drags Canyon onto Benoit's limp body. <clears throat> One, two, three. And we've got new tag team champions in Page and Canyon. And I don't think Malenko can believe it. Hey! hey! <laughs> Just what we like to see. The wi- oh, it's the winners beating down the losers this time, though. And the assisted car onto the newly won tag team titles. I just think Malenko came down to help, but was just a little bit hopeless as opposed to doing that on purpose when it came to that. Just a little bit silly and Benoit, Malenko and Saturn taken out. And the Jersey tried win, but not a bad match, was it? I, I was actually just about to say, I don't know about you, but I, was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that match. It was a very good match. Again, it just goes to show you what these younger guys do in the business. I mean, you know... They're, they're certainly well respected given the amount of time that they was given and the match didn't seem like it dragged even though it was nearly a 20 minute match. I completely agree with you there, yeah, not a bad match at all. Of course, I think it's my match of the night. Unless Macho Man versus Nash can beat it, but I'm not holding out any hope for that. Uh, but not a bad and like, like I said, be two, you know, two hours in and finally get a good match is just not good enough, you know, but... Hopefully that feud continues because, like I said, it's one of the most enjoyable things at the moment. And the assisted cutter still looks quite cool as well with Bam Bam and uh, Paige. It does, yeah. So Kevin Nash versus Match Man. This has been all about shit, basically. Yes, yeah, so not just the storyline. I mean, everything involved. I mean, you know, we could have even a final match or Vince and Shane McMahon going against Stone Cold Steve Austin in a ladder match for control of the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, that is funny match. They're like crash test dummies. We might actually try and catch that one on the next WWE versus WCW. And of course, that will be uh, next week. But in between, we'll have WWE stomping grounds and that will be our next episode. But like I said, it's just, it's not been very good, has it? You know, it's been cheap tactics like the Kevin Nash lookalike, makeup involved, covered in shit, you know, and then, of course, the, the the Hummer incident on Raw. For a main event story, it's just awful. It really is. How do they think that would make any money? And Hogan sitting backstage or at home going, 
that's so funny because they need me to make money. And it's not true. It's just using the wrong people. So would you have Hogan as part of this? Uh, I wouldn't either. I'll take Hogan away. I'll try to build it afresh and let Hogan go to WWE and let him, you know, poison the rock and Stone Cold Steve along, Austin. Along with Nash and Savage. Yeah, Nash, Savage, have them all go over there. Razor Scott Hall as well when he wasn't drunk. Would you keep uh, Bischoff? I might. I might. But on screen, right, you know, as opposed to anything else. Would you keep dropping in the, the what happened in WWE like Bischoff does? I mean, like you know, the man in the hood, his initials were I, e, I e, might. E, uh, I, VM. My first thing would be concentrate on my product and improve that and have a, a long-range story time, you know, set out first. And then as you go along, you can take shots. Yeah, as long as your product is not the complete fucking mess it is. Because like I said, there's no point having spoilers if everybody's watching that program anyway. They yeah. just, you know what I mean? It's like it's like talking about Game of Thrones when you do the Walking Dead thing or something like that. It's just... There's, Never seen any of that. You know, yeah, but you're, you're giving it promotion when it doesn't need to. Anyway, we've got Michael Buffer out here, and I'm not saying he dyes his hair, but back then, you know, don't, don't get it wrong, it's been a long time. How old is Michael Buffer now and back then, Dan, seeing as you're the uh, statistician? I know he's got a brother called Bruce Buffer. He does the UFC stuff. And Savage being the most dangerous man in the world, I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. He is 54 back then. 54 back then. When's his birthday, James? November 3rd. November the 2nd. Oh. And what is he known for? 50. Let's get ready to rumble. Catchphrase. Yeah. So he's, what, 73 now? 74, bless him. Well, 70, yeah, 73. Yeah, 73, Michael Buffer. An absolute legend. And he was paid a shed load to do these WWE events. He was in um, Creed 1 and 2 as himself slash ring announcer. He was in You Don't Mess With The Zohan. Um, grudge Match, himself as a uh, himself announcer. Ready to rumble. Ready to rumble, he was, yeah. Uh, he was in Harlem Nights, Rocky Five, uh, Extreme Adventures of Super Dave, Ready to Rumble, More Than Famous, Game Over, Fade to Black, Against the Ropes, Rocky Balboa, well, you talk about all of well, that's the filmography of Michael Buffer, as Macho Man, and of course he's with Gorgeous George, Medusa, and Miss Madness, and and that's a little bit dumb to fall for that idea of them getting in the car of him, but Macho seems ready for action. Who's in the Clerks animated series? And the fireworks go off, and Macho Man looking to reclaim WW Gold here tonight, and there's no way Nash is 100. percent but apparently he's the most dangerous man in WWE because he might cover you in shit or get covered in shit. And all this build-up must lead to a nice long main event. He's a three-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion. He's the Macho Man looking for number four here tonight. And you hear the Wolfpack music and it means Kevin Nash is going to come out here and see what state he's in. He's, part of the... uh, he's got a singlet, the big sexy singlet. And of course Kevin Nash, I'm surprised he's walking out here. He doesn't look great, does he, Dan? Let's admit that. Uh, no. He's got his head down a little bit, and of course the injury sustained. He said about the rib injuries, but I'm sure there's internal bleeding involved. And you talk about movies, and Kevin Nash, of course, has been in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as Shredder. Well, hang on, let me just... Uh... And The Punisher. He was in Teenage Mutant Turtles, yeah, it was Super Magic Shredder. Magic Mike. Free Jack, Family Plan, The Punisher, yeah. Longest Yard, Grandma's Boy, DOA Dead or Alive. Uh, River of Darkness, he was in The Almighty Four as Odin. Uh, Monster Brawl, The Association, Rock of Ages, Magic Mike. Yeah. The newest pledge, John Wick, Magic Mike, XXL. 
And and let's not forget about Macho Man Randy Savage. If you talk about movies, the one that Macho Man Randy Savage probably most famous for as uh, what was Bone Crusher, Bones, yeah. Bones or the Spider Man. And weirdly enough, he actually injured his back in that film, which meant he couldn't uh, continue wrestling full time afterwards. So that kind of end of his career officially. But um, he was also in Ready to Rumble. Uh, I he... think every WWE wrestler was in Ready to Rumble. Yeah, even John Cena was in Ready. <laughs> Um, yeah, Bone Saw McGraw, uh, he's in Baywatch, Dexter's Lab, The Weird Al Show, Walker, Texas Ranger, um, Duck Dodgers. And of course he always wanted to, um, snap into the Slim Jim as well, did the Macho Man. But he's looking to, uh, snap into Kevin Nash as the bell rings and he's already got the ladies on the apron. And Savage has obviously got a plan. And there's Medusa up and Nash saying, let's forget about that and go straight after the Macho Man. And Mike Tanae's telling us the elbow drop is legal. If he hits out on the bad ribs, that'll be over and done with. And Nash maybe looking to put away Macho Man in the early going. And big knees in the corner. And it's just come away with bad ribs after that horrible car accident. It's something else. But WWE's topped itself again by giving us the dogs that attacked Sting earlier as well. <laughs> and now Nash attacking the Macho Man. I wonder what else we could see in this one. Macho Man in WCW, what did he win? Kevin Nash with a big back elbow taking Macho down. Uh, Macho's completely... Well, he's three-time champion at this point. I guess he'd win it again. Uh, that's it. World War Three. Yeah. In WWE? Uh, three-time champ. Uh, two-time heavyweight champion. One-time. Uh, probably didn't win it. WWF World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. That was at WrestleMania for Trump Prelaza. Um, he was also in the worst worked match of the year in 96 with Hogan versus Arn Anderson, Meng the Barbarian, Ric Flair, Kevin Sullivan, Z Gangster, The Ultimate Solutions in a Towers of Doom yeah, match. Yeah, that's one of my favourite matches of all time. I watched that pay-per-view not two days ago. Uh, you can catch it on our most ridiculous episode as well. Fantastic. People say it's awful. I loved it. It's 45 minutes of nothingness. Uh, Matcha Man has come back now on Nash and he's targeting... Those injured ribs, and make no doubt about it, Macho wants to put Kevin Nash down. And to be fair, with only seven minutes left of the paper, he's got to work quick, or else he's going to run out of time. <laughs> oh, Savage certainly is working over Kevin Nash. Nash won't be able to breathe and choking, because we've not seen that enough tonight. Love a good old And the referee trying to have control Nick Patrick back with a tremendous mullet and tash. Glorious. And now Savage clotheslining Kevin Nash out to the outside. Now the Irish... And an irate macho man sent him to the barricade. Now just working on the midsection, goes back in. Oh, now Medusa with the kicks. Doesn't want to be caught by the referee. And now macho just directing traffic, knocking Nash down. And then straight to the midsection, taking Nash to the outside. And Medusa looking to get involved. But I think realised Kevin Nash was getting up. Three uh, kicks to the ribs. The injured ribs that happened in a car crash. So Nash is the face. But we're not sure what Macho's original problem with Kevin Nash is. Like, I don't know if it's... Could he create the wolf pack for Macho Man? That was the original intention. So I don't understand why. And then Macho invited it, and then we'd have a falling out with Macho in a way. Unless it's got something to do with the finger poker doing with Hogan, which wasn't really explained, but Macho's been known to be a friend with Hogan throughout the years anyway. So why would he have an immediate problem with it? Well, Macho is a madman. Well, it's what they say, madness to use sewage and everything else, but like I said, it's not worked, and even the crowd are not really happy at the moment, as Kevin Nashville did nothing about it. And his harem of whores. Oh, gorgeous George, and Medusa up in the apron. And Miss Madness there with a dropkick off the top. Thought she would have hit the molly go round, personally. 
And our match is going to go up. And I'm going to hit the elbow. If he hits this, he'll be champion. Bang. Hits this mark. Uh, two. two. Only a two count. Two. Kevin Nash managed to kick out. Uh. And there's not many men in the history that got the shoulder up after that. Well, it looked like Nick Patrick had his hand underneath the shoulder of Nash and pulled it up before he hit the... Well, Macho's got a problem then with Nick Patrick as well. It's his treatment of everybody in WCW. Now Nash fighting back against Macho Man. Realises he's going to lose soon if he's not careful. Snake eyes. Nash sucking heavy. Big boot. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. Uh-oh. The straps are slowly going down. He means business now. Loading them up for the jackknife. Hits his mark. Jackknife powerbomb. Medusa in. Kicks to the ribs. And so go- is gorgeous George. And the referee's not called for the bell yet. Oh, my God. As George and he thrown out of her top. Medusa slammed down. Molly again off the top. He catches her. Snake eyes to Miss Mad. Who's that? Oh, my God. And look who's Sid back. Justice Vicious. He is the man... The rules, the world. The psycho, psycho one is back. The man who has the world's worst promos. The lunatic fringe. And if I had half a brain. And he looks to going to put Kevin Nash away now. Well, disqualification finish. Nash keeps his title. But again, the winner is getting beaten up after the match. Oh. And a huge powerbomb by Sid. And we've not seen him since he was around in WWF in night. And he's come back now in 99, ready for action. Is this since he's broken his leg? No, no, no. He breaks his leg on his... This is his turn break leg. This is Sid's worst run now. And you consider what we've had with Sid. This is pretty terrible. But it looks like he's siding with Macho Man as well. He's a new member of Team Madness. Well, Psycho Sid and Macho Madness, I think they go together quite well. But Nash is still your champion for now. Macho Man is sweating profusely after... He looks like shit. An eight-minute match. He looks really, really bad. He looks out of his nuts. Yeah, well, Macho took a beating. I think so did uh, Miss Madness and everybody. And Nash is still the champion. But the big story, the big story at this pay-per-view, the, the, what I'm getting from it is the fact that your world-title match lasted eight minutes. And described, that's worse enough. And then Sid Vicious comes back. Sid Justice. Psycho Sid. And that's your big news story. I'm sorry, but that is terrible. And uh, it's not me to blame for this pay-per-view. It's, it's not me either. No. Is it the butler? No, it's not the butler is to blame. Is it Jared? It's not Jared. Is it Dwayne? No. Only one person. Only one Only one group. That'll be... That'll be the listeners. You. Your fault. You! All right, let's run through the card then. And let's drink as uh, well as we can. And you know what? I never thought I'd see something trying to rival a Saudi Arabia event. But, you know, they gave it the best shot here tonight. Indeed, yes. Let's start off with Nobs versus Hack. First match, Dan. Um, well, it was just a lot of chair, trash can and ladder shots, really. That's all it can be described as. Um, a terrible match by, you know, two terrible wrestlers. <laughs> That's all I have Hack. to say about that. Hack had some support, but it was awful. Weapon shots used too many times and awful finished. I did give it a two and a half, though. Uh, I, I, I was, thought I was being very generous. Yeah, two well. and a half. And then we had Mikey Whipwreck versus Van Hammer. Never again am um, I going to waste time watching that match. Yeah, 
a few botches, two terrible, terrible wrestlers. Why was it even on the card? What was the point in that match? Two out of five. Uh, I gave that a two. Disco versus Bagwell next. Two guys with, you know, fans know about them. Again, and I really didn't like this match. No, um, it, it was a bit slow. There was too much dancing, flexing. It was the right result, though, but very boring match. What was your score? Um, I gave that... I gave that a two and a half out of five. Then we had Conan and Mysterio and Bobby Duncan Jr. It wasn't a bad match, actually. Um, it was quite well worked. Um, and then there was the attack that happened after it as well. It was an awful finish. Mysterio missing a 619 attempt. The, the, the shot for Master P, the brawl. And then again, how many babyface, how many people look like fucking idiots afterwards with Mysterio getting hogtied with a beatdown? Uh, I gave that three and a quarter out of five. I gave that a three out of five. Then Cat versus Horace. Um, it was over quick enough. It wasn't terrible. Um, the story was kind of interesting. At least there was a bit of story to it, you know, with the cat and the shoes and the briefcase and, you know, the little thing like that. And I did enjoy his dance after it as well. Um, I gave that a two and a half out of five. Yeah, but two out of five. I really didn't like it. Horace Hogan should just go. And that should just be on Thunder rather than a pay-per-view. Flair versus Piper. Um, is it you? Well, I was me. I just I, the match wasn't bad. If you want a Ric Flair match and you're gonna get everything Flair gives you, including the trunks coming down, standard Piper. You know, he was out of shape, but gave what he could do for the Legends Championship. Been acceptable, but for this, no. My main gripe is with what happened afterwards. Um, uh, well, you know, they're both over the hill, and I'm glad it was interrupted before it went on any longer. No, I was really disappointed with the. Buff Bagwell coming out and then Piper turning him and it just made the whole thing pointless and when you do that straight away it just takes away from the storyline because you just think well WWE just ignore it anyway carrying on uh, and now Flair and Piper are meant to be chums I did give it a 3 out of 5 though yeah I, I gave that a 3 out of 5 it wasn't you know as terrible as the hack knobs Whipwreck and Van Hammer alright Sting versus Rick Steiner um wasn't bad throughout I think a Fool's Count Anywhere match shouldn't be kind of Singulated to the ring. I think, you know, they kind of drifted out, came back to the ring, and then hurried backstage when they realised they only had a couple of minutes left. Um, the ending, it was a bit retarded. Yeah, it kind of helped protecting a bit, I think. Yeah. But What, uh, killing him? Well, you, <laughs> no, you know what I mean, though, like the way he lost. Yeah, but... Like, you know, a man could fight off three dogs, <laughs> and he didn't. Death by dogs is the only note I've put in this match. Death by dogs they had dogs attacking sting and basically making it so bad and then you had the 10 minute promo with the steiners afterwards as well i give that a three out of five yeah i gave that a three out of five as well Saturn benoit versus bam bam ddp a great match between uh all four men or even five men involved as bam bam as it was until again Blinko I mean you shouldn't make your face look like a fucking idiot and WCW do that too many times and WWE do it too many times nowadays and Malinko coming out if he's helping Saturn up then surely don't call me Shirley he's got an eye on what's going on in the ring as well and if he wants his friend to win then he, he's, he knows what's going on there unless they're trying to build up Malinko against him which they're not anyway just makes him look like a fucking idiot but the best match of the night in my opinion yeah absolutely it was a, a shining light on <clears throat> an otherwise shit show of a pay-per-view. A very good performance by all, all five guys involved. Um, bit disappointed with the ending, but I think it kind of sets up, you know, you can see the respect 
that Ben Maher and San have for each other as well, which is good. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go that a four out of five. Yeah, I'll go that three and a half out of five. And then the main event, Nash versus Savage. <laughs> um, absolute awful match. Again, Savage far too over the hill. He's kind of reaching his over the hill status. <clears throat> um, you know, neither of them deserve to be championship material or even in the championship picture. No. Uh, bringing back Sid Justice. Why? What's the point? He's a fucking moron. And what? Why not? Not use any of your decent performers. Mm. You know, your Goldbergs, uh, your Chavo Guerreros. Why not have a decent cruiserweight match on there as well? As soon as they're the only shining beacon of the whole pay per view. Obviously, we needed to learn. In fact, going out there and trying to get someone who used to be in WWF or paying them big money is not going to change the company. It's, it's promoting from within and making the people you got into stars. And that's something they never got. And it's saying again, weird looking back 20 years later when WWE is still making the same mistakes because they're saying with Stomping Grounds, which will be our next podcast, there's a lot of feel about Night Night 5, Night Night 6 hell shows. Uh, in WWF and the same point in WSW at this time as well where you know you're going to get there and it's just I, I don't think WWE's products that bad at the moment but you've got to start making stars from what you've got and WSW's demise is a part of that and relying on the same guys anyway like you talked about earlier with the ages Nash, Savage, Sting, uh, even Rick Steiner, Flair, Piper you know Kurt Henning all involved just guys who are you know what was your score for the last match? Sorry, over the hill on. And for me, I just I get tired of it. Uh, main event. What was your score? Two and a half. Yeah, mine's two and a half as well. Uh, I, you know, I just got a bit tired of the pay per view with what it was kind of delivering, and it didn't want to make me watch Nitro the next night. It didn't want to make me watch the next WWE pay per view. Just made me want to go. Let me leave it, and I'll check on the results in a couple of months' time and see if it does get any better. Yeah, there, yeah, there was nothing. Um, you know, all the stuff that followed. You know, whether. A bloke lost and then still beat the face down or the winner down. It was that was completely ridiculous. It's as you say, it's not left me. I wonder what's going to happen. You know, I wonder what kind of promo Sid Justice is going to mm. do on Nitro next. Yeah, We're, yeah. What's you his know, justification for getting involved? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there, there was absolutely nothing of note there that you know I could have watched the next Nitro and completely skipped over that pay-per-view yeah. and not missed a thing. No, but instead, we had to watch it. I think all those reasons, I'm giving it a six and three quarters out of ten. Um, I'm giving it a five and three quarters. I thought, you know, the the only decent match that I would actually go back and watch is the Jersey Triad versus Benoit and Saturn. Um, none of the other matches I could happily go the rest of my life never, ever having to see again. And... Um, and I and I thank I thank our listeners for that. And people have a go, right, at Saudi Arabian show and WWE stuff nowadays. Super, Dan just gave it a five and three quarters. Super Showdown got seven and a quarter from Dan. So that's how much better Super Showdown was compared to the uh, Great American Bash. And I gave it a seven, so it's a quarter off what we saw on there. And again, it's just a pay per view. And when you look at that, you can see why WSW died. But anyway, apart from that, like I said, Stomping Grounds will be coming out on Wednesday. And we'll bring you all the action from that. And then next weekend, we'll bring you free Nitros and free Raws. We'll bring you the um, the aftermath of what we've just seen at uh, Great American Bash. And, of course, the uh, build-up towards King Ring 99 and all the fallout from that as well. So uh, that is it. Don't forget. Anything else, Dan? Um, 
Well, you've just given us a reason never, ever to let you vote on what we watch again because, you know, we could have seen the uh, ladder match, Austin versus the McMahons. We could have seen the Rock versus Undertaker. We could have seen the first ever pay-per-view meeting of Edge and Christian again against the Hardy Boys, which is, again, you know, two of our top tag teams ever. But no, we had to have this shower of shite. Yeah, and don't forget, you can follow us. If we want you to, on Twitter at WWNetReview or at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at Jan Score Rollins. Cross all the Google platforms. Send us an email at WNRPodcast at gmail.com and we're on Instagram at WNRPodcast. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast podcast go up on youtube same time as your other places like soundcloud on your phone or spreaker radio where we've got a live show stitch radio and itunes where you can down and subscribe rate and review there but that's not it we're also kind of currently underway on our webpage. uh you can come and find us there at the the wnrpodcast.com that should be ready by about SummerSlam. Yeah, hopefully SummerSlam. you're sounding less and less confident <laughs> the closer we get I, to SummerSlam. I, we've got a couple of months. I cannot confirm or deny if it will be ready or not. One thing we will be ready for is our next episode, which will be Stomping Grounds. And, of course, we'll be back with WWE and WSW next week. But that's it for now. I have been James Rollins, and as always, always joined by... Damn. Listen, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>